<laughs> What's happening, everybody? Weirdos. I always say weirdos. That time I said everybody. What's happening, weirdos? This is um, my buddy, Ryan Holiday, who is coming back to the podcast because we had such a wonderful chat last time. He has a new book called Stillness is the Key, which if you enjoy this podcast, that book will be right up your alley. We talk a little bit about that, but mostly we just talk about all the genius and wonderful things that he knows so much about. So I love it. I do want to mention that I'm going on tour. I'm doing a stand-up tour called the Silly Silly Fun Boy Tour. You can go to PeteHolmes.com for tickets. I'm coming to Washington, D.C., Fairfield, Connecticut, Boston, New York, Orlando. And just announced today, I will be coming to North Carolina as well. Go to PeteHolmes.com, and there'll be even more dates uh, added to the website. So just check PeteHolmes.com, and I'm sure I'm coming somewhere near you guys. Um, And I do want to say... oh. Yes, Largo. I'm also doing my monthly Largo show here in Los Angeles. I also have vinyls available at 800poundgorillarecords.com slash Pete Holmes, including a limited edition one called Living at Largo that is going entirely to charity, all the proceeds. The uh, show is brought to us by our Pete's Picks. You guys know this by now, but I don't do traditional ads. I only plug things and ask for promo codes from companies that make products that I absolutely love and enjoy every single day. The first is Kachava. Kachava is a superfood drink mix that is 100% plant-based with omega-3s from chia seeds and flax seeds, eight superfruits, 17 greens and veggies, gluten-free, soy-free, no artificial sweeteners, but just enough coconut nectar, which is a low glycemic sweetener to make it sweet and delicious got powdered coconut milk in it which you can make it with just water because it mixes with the coconut milk and makes it creamy and chocolatey or vanilla-y depending on which flavor you like it's got digestive support 24 grams of plant-based protein 9 grams of fiber and here's the thing it's actually delicious valerie doesn't usually like my weird nutrient overload superfood things loves the taste i make it for her with almond milk and strawberry frozen strawberries tastes like strawberry chocolate ice cream and it makes you feel amazing it gives you a nutrition overload high It's got mac root in there for energy, cacao, which is a wonderful mood elevator. It's basically a meal replacement. It's not in a pill. It's in a shake. But the future is now. For people that are curious about how to get more plant-based nutrition in their life, I always tell them that Kachava is a wonderful place to start. So you can show your support of this always free podcast and try something wonderful and new that I personally love by going to kachava.com slash weird. You'll get 20% off. That's K-A-C-H-A-V-A dot com slash weird. My other Pete's Pick is the original Pete's Pick. It's right here on my desk. It is Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. I know when you hear hemp, people think about marijuana. This is not something that gets you stoned. This is a wonderful plant ally that doesn't take you out of the game. It's not an intoxicant. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. They use science to remove THC. THC is what gets you stoned in the hemp plant but they leave the body and brain beneficial CBD. I know a lot of places are selling CBD more and more. I see every day. But the Stanley Brothers, who make Charlotte's Web, are the only company that I'm aware of that grows it in Denver, Colorado. It's American-grown for human consumption under, like, medical-grade 
controls. This is something that is not, you know, was going to be a pair of pants or a medicine. This was grown from seed to soil to plant to bottle to be used medicinally. For me personally, anecdotally speaking, it's a wonderful mood elevator. It's a wonderful anxiety reducer. It helps me relax when I'm traveling. It helps me relax when I'm really feeling a lot of stress, when I'm working too hard, uh, but I want to be able to keep working but not feel all that ache and stress. I take some Charlotte's Web. Helps me focus in and zero in and flow with whatever it is I'm doing. It's a little bit hard to explain, so the best way to try it is to try it. I like the original formula. I get the mint chocolate flavor. They also make bombs that you can get the hemp on you in a soothing way directly, topically, onto your skin. It is my secret weapon for, I used to call it my happy juice on set. It just makes me feel a healthy, happy glow. Uh... That's why I swear by it. That's why I always say it's a plant ally. So if you want to try it and show your support of this uh, podcast, people are always telling me what Charlotte's Web does for them. That makes me happy. Go to cwhemp.com slash weird and use promo code KEEPITCRISPY19 and you'll get 10% off. Uh, that's it, guys. Let's enjoy Ryan Holiday. Hope to see you guys out on the road in North Carolina, Washington, D.C., Connecticut, Boston, New York, or Orlando. Go to PeteHolmes.com for tickets or Largo-LA.com for my monthly show here in Los Angeles. And in the meantime, enjoy my wonderful second chat with the incomparable Ryan Holiday. Get into it. Hot take. Katie and I didn't like the Joker. Who cares? Who cares, Ryan? You know, that's sort of up your alley. First of all, I'm so happy to see you. Yes. Get those cans Sorry. on. Sorry. No, no, no. I was joking that I was starting before you even <laughs> had them on. Um, I feel like that movie and all the buzz, this is a Ryan Holiday area. Okay. Not what we think about the movie. Yeah. But a much deeper and satisfying who fucking cares. Like the way that that dust storm yeah. is kicked up. Is the first nickel I'm putting in the Ryan Holiday jukebox? Sure. Just tell tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, no, that seems like your area. Yeah, like, and people, I'm so happy to see. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> like like the people doing the movie aren't ecstatic that it's crossed over from a thing they have to advertise to, to a thing that's news, which is manufactured. Of course, when I watched that um, viral thing on Kimmel, I don't know if you saw. It doesn't no. matter. But like we're now doing advertising in a way that it's like we're gonna. Joaquin Phoenix has a reputation for being awkward on late night. The the rumor or the the story is that they made a fake um, like freak out video on set oh. so Kimmel could show it to him sure. and have him be really uncomfortable. And it worked, Ryan. Of course. We're fucking mammals. Yeah. Probably last time you did this, I talked about how I love this the. When I found out that silverback gorillas will, if you leave photographs of other beautiful silverback gorillas in their camp, they'll look at them. Really? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? A, f- a friend of mine worked in this uh, like lab that tested on monkeys, like tested for like Parkinson's on chimps. He says, uh-huh. like soul crushing and terrifying and awful. But he was like, they let them watch videos of they had tvs in their like cages and they would watch things like curious george no (laughs) i believe it yeah we have have you seen the documentary nimchimsky no oh my god uh so they watch it's 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 a true story but in this the chimps knew george was one of them like that's one of us (laughs) that's what yeah they wanted to watch things with monkeys monkeys. yeah 
They were like, he moves like me? Yeah, yeah. Like that is can... way more interesting than I gave it when you first mentioned so, it. So Nimchinsky in the <laughs> 60s, they weren't quite, they were like, why monkeys are so similar to humans? Is it that they can't physically talk? Or is it that, like, they, is it that they're capable of language but can't physically talk? Or are they not capable of language? Right. And, you know, like, some of them learn sign language. So they're like, well, what if... So that what means if we, they have the capacity, right? Well, they were like, what if we raise a monkey as if it is a deaf baby? Like, we raise it as a deaf baby. This is the weirdest fucking story. Yeah. We're going to raise a monkey as if it's a deaf baby. And they named this baby Nim Chimsky, like Noam Chomsky, because Noam Chomsky thinks... <laughs> that that only that his his whole work he's although we mostly know him for his political work most is most famous for his stuff on language mm-hmm. and and that it's innate and unique to humans. But anyway, so they raise this monkey as it like this. So Gnome is saying this yeah, is going to be a waste of time. Yeah, and we'll so, see about that. Yeah, and, and, and we name the monkey after you. Yeah. So okay, so this story is getting so much weird. We're just waiting for this. So they raise it in this like townhouse in New York City with this like family. <laughs> Get this. Uh, the um, uh, the girl who lives next door, who occasionally comes over and babysits the kids and the monkeys, is uh, Chandler's girlfriend on Friends. No. Uh, what's the one with the horrible voice? IRL. No, no, no. no on the show, like on the she show. becomes the actress in real life. Like, oh my god! Growing up, she raises this monkey. Has a terrible voice. Yeah. Janice, Janice, yes, Janice from Friends. Uh, Val would know. In, 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 <laughs> interacts with the monkeys a baby. So they raise the monkey a, as a as a human for this whole time, and they're like trying to train it to like not just like hey, here are some signs, but like could you raise it to think and if they they thought like do kids learn how to speak because they're raised by parents who speak and they're expected to speak and right this, right and and so they do this. It's this whole, like, like the experiment they did with. There was a blind guy who never went to blind school. I just know you're not going to lose your train of yeah. thought. So I'm, I, okay, feel, okay. I feel comfortable sidebarring yeah. here. And he like basically re-came up with sign language, right? It, well, it was weirder or more extraordinary. Yeah. He was like riding a bike and stuff. Because uh, the theory was like no one told him, yeah. you're blind. Yeah. Blind people don't ride bikes. So he like figured out ways to like oh. click while he was riding to like use sonar, yeah, basically. Sure. So like they were saying like it was on NPR. They were like blind school. While wonderful is limiting, might be limiting because huh. someone's telling you, "Hi, you're blind. Here's blind stuff." Yeah, just like you know, a monkey is being told, "Hi, you're a monkey. Yeah. We're monkey stuff." You're saying you're now a, you're a human yeah. deaf baby. So like he wore clothes and he went to school and it was like this whole thing and, and until it, <laughs> he wore clothes. <laughs> yeah, so you can imagine. Eventually, like, I love it. In the sixties, they were just. I don't know. It's just so dumb in retrospect, but it doesn't. It doesn't work out, right? He learns like a couple sentences, but he and then he becomes violent. And Wait, he, he doesn't. He does speak. Like he just learns the same amount of sign language as, oh, as say, a normal as a normal. He never yeah. goes. Oh, how are you? No, they know they can't talk. Oh, it's, that's that's the point not. Is they're the raising study. it like a deaf. They just want him to yes. be fluent in sign language. Yes, as if he's raised. Yeah. So anyway, so it doesn't work out. And then the funding goes, and they end up sending the monkey away for for. Uh, I'm, and I'm realizing as I'm saying this, this is a very dark story to open the podcast. With. No, I love it. Uh, so they he goes to some like testing facility, like they just they like just, the worst place a monkey yeah. can go, basically. And and he would he would sign in his cage, like please get the key and let me out of the cage. No. Yes. Everybody make a donation to PETA right now. (laughs) That's horrible and sad. But I mean, I think about this all the time. If you have the capacity for thought, but you can't articulate the thought. We think about that with Brody and with a baby. You go like, 
you have preferences? Like, it's weird yeah. that they have preferences. Clearly, yeah. both a baby and a dog are locked in the moment. They're not spending as much time right. forecasting or replaying. But they do have... Like, when I see my baby figure out... We pick everything up and we play, like, foot phone, banana yeah. phone, yeah. any toy is a phone. Of course. And then she just starts going, hello. Like, she'll yeah. pick up the phone. She doesn't say hello yet. So I'm like, so she's thinking in some sort of nonverbal... Isn't that fucking trippy? I feel like we should only talk about this, but there's no way to talk about it. There's a way to think that's pre-language, but yeah. you're still accomplishing things, but you're not yet talking to yourself, which is why you don't yet really have an ego. Yeah. There's no story of you, but you are happening. Yeah. You say hand over there, but it sort of happens wordlessly, and you go, this feels good yeah. or bad, but you don't even have the words good or bad. This is fucking... Let's let's smoke some weed, dude. <laughs> I, I have a good kid phone thing that happened the other day. Uh, my son's almost three, and we're we're leaving the house, and so we're like walking down to the garage to go to the car, and he goes, "Wait, I need my phone." <laughs> he goes, "Wait, I forgot my phone." He doesn't have a phone. No, because he's heard me say that like a thousand times. So I always leave the house without getting my phone. Oh and my! He God. thought that was just the thing that you say when you leave the Wait, house. Wait, I forgot my phone. Yeah. <laughs> oh divine isn't that amazing <laughs> my father said to me i think it's so funny i don't want to be mean to my parents but they often say things to me where i'm like i know yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he goes you don't think they're paying attention peter but they are and i was like dad i was what was paying attention to you like i should say that to you <laughs> like like somehow you forgot between being a parent being a child and being a parent but i yeah. didn't forget like i remember being in the truck and being like these guys don't know that my eight millimeter film cameras are rolling. Yeah. Like I got it all, baby. Did your dad actually say that thing on crashing where he goes like, Peter, what would you say your three favorite parks in Brooklyn yeah. are? That is my dad to a T. So I'm going to take that wonderful question that you just asked me that makes me feel yeah. appreciated. And I'm going to throw it right back into Ryan holiday, fastball, softball, okay. slow, uh, a change up. Yeah. Okay. Softball. Sure. I know. I know. Sports. <laughs> it sounds like I know sprouts. Um, my dad, who I love, is on a scale from one to ten. What are your top three? Yeah. What is the one thing like? Uh, but he often, it, it to me, my diagnosis, and I wonder what you think about that type of brain, um, is sort of like a. What what one of the things I was watching a talk of yours, Marcus Aurelius was like, let's stop talking about, let's de- let's stop debating what a good man is sure. and just be. That's like a very deeply spiritual yeah. thing too. Everybody is pointing to stop debating resurrection sites, stop debating literal or metaphor, stop debating in or out, right or wrong. Is it the Bhagavad Gita? Is it the Bible? Yeah. Is it this? Stop it and just be sure. in eternity. Yeah. Like that's the thing. But our brains keep robbing us of that. So when I'm with my dad, I sometimes go like. Oh no, like he's really, he's sort of stuck in like, I need to get the numbers and the data, yeah. which is a lot of brain. And I always want to, if I could, if I thought like, like my dad, and maybe he could hear me, I would be like, Dad, my fantasy is that we would just be together. Yeah. Isn't that why we had the like fishing fantasy? Like, yeah. can't we just like right. sit together? And I have fantasies with Leela, I'm sure you do with your son as well. I just want to be the kind of parent that can just be with them and not necessarily be like on a scale of one to 10, where does Mac and cheese lie for you? <laughs> like, and and the, the more offensive thing, sorry, I'm on a tear yeah, here no. is that he's asking to tell you 
what his, what his yeah. thought is. So when Val started having dinner with them, he'd go like, Valerie, what is the most important part of being a mother? And I say, I'll just, because he's not really, now it sounds mean, but I feel safe to just say to Valerie, I'll go, just ask him what he thinks is yeah. the most. Yeah. So I'll just say that. Yeah. I go, just say, what do you right. think it is? Because I've had a lot of girlfriends and I've brought them all home and it's always been weird. So I, now I just coach them. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes, what do you think it is? And he always goes, I think it's perseverance or whatever. Like, yeah. he wants to tell you. Yeah. And this sounds like I'm roasting my dad, but really what I see is somebody who just kind of pulled on the tail of, of the mind, yeah. of the ego, of the story, which is what we're all told to do. And my dad's a successful guy. It just sort of yanked him pretty far down the road and pretty far from what your new book is about, which is like stillness and, and thoughtlessness to lead to being. Yeah, is that, why is right? it so hard? I wonder, yeah, like, why can't they just go like, hey, how are you feeling? Like, it has to be like, they, they want to connect. That's why he's asking of about course, the parks. Of course, of course. it's like about this like inane bullshit that nobody cares about. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you picked up on that line. I that is I the line. Yeah. <laughs> what are your top three parks in Brooklyn? Yeah. Or my, but they want to connect. I remember my mom said, she was like, so do you have any vacations planned recently? Like, like plural. Like, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't have nine vacations planned. Yeah. And like, I think what she really meant was like, what are you looking forward to? Or like, what's right, going on? Right. But like, we're just like, uh, like, why not even go like, you work so hard, you deserve a vacation. Like, yes. you know, it doesn't even have to be a question. It could be a, uh, like sometimes a statement, if you really have thought oh, about brilliant. the person, can mean so much more than a question. I spend a lot of time. This is one of my sort of areas for improvement. I spend a lot of time fantasizing. Like I want to go, let me just do the conversation yeah, to my family. Right. Let me just right. do it. Yeah. Wow, Valerie, you are a mother. That is so exciting. Yeah. Just that. Yeah. <laughs> that is so exciting. That would be very nice. Or... Something that I like to say, tell me everything. Yeah. What is that? But really sure. listening and just going like, are, is it, we get a lot of, I ask leading questions on this podcast. And one of the reasons I'm glad I have a podcast is because I learned that about myself. I was like, yes. oh, no, I, I'll go like, do you think that uh, writing books helps you be better at talking? Like, that's just yeah. a leading question. Right. Why not say like, in what ways does that improve your life or does yeah. it improve your life or whatever sure. it is? But I see, I see the wanting to connect, but they don't seem to have... Is it modern, or is it just because we had the luxury of college? We had all these things yeah, that I my don't parents know. didn't have. Yeah, like is there? I don't know anyone that's like my parents do it super well. So, like, is it a thing that you just like you want to connect with the person, but there's this like distance naturally between them, and you can't get through it? Or is it that like I think it's roles. boomers are just like super self absorbed and like they yeah. can't do it? I don't know what it is, but it doesn't. I I'm always trying to break them out of the idea that they have to play the part of my parents. Yeah, and I, I, I sometimes they don't. Sometimes we are just hanging out like three people, which is nice. But like, it's not so hard to just be like, uh, whatever it is. My dad, I, I catch him wanting to connect about show business, and I concede yeah. that my life is weird. Right. But it would be like, is even what you said? Is there anything you're excited about? Or I really love what you said. You work so hard. You really deserve a vacation. I hope right. you're taking care of yourself. Right. Why can't we just like trim the fat on our statements? Yeah. That's a very like when we're in that enlightened or open or still place, we can, or, un, you know, not unfortunately, sometimes when I'm on psychedelics, you just want to say like, I'm really, I'm impressed by you. Or yeah. like, Ryan, I'm, I'm proud of you. You're like 25. <laughs> I don't know how old you are. You've written 30 books. I don't know how many books you've written. <laughs> what, like, 
I sometimes talk about that on stage. I'm like, why can't we just give each other what we want? Yeah. Instead of playing this marionette, I'll be the dad and I'll say on a scale of one to ten. But, you know, everybody's doing their best. Yeah. And then also, like, maybe they actually, maybe so nine times out of ten, they give you the, what, three parks in Brooklyn thing. <laughs> and then one, one time out of ten, they, they give you it. But, like, you're actually not primed to receive it so you don't even notice right you know yes um which i'm sure is part of it too yeah whatever their blind spots are i have my blind spots and sometimes i'm so pinched and angry right your parents understand because i i was so excited to talk to you today as like one of the more exciting people i know that's like being a very deliberate architect of his life do they understand that (laughs) Oh, that one? No, not really. No, <laughs> I think not, we covered this yeah, a little bit yeah, last time. But no, not not yeah. not really at all. They're not like, because I'm like, I want to talk all about. I Val and I will always be like, you know, there is a world because I'm a stand up, and I now I've written a book, so I'm like I could keep doing that. Yeah. We talked about that a little bit, and I have a podcast. I'm like, we could go to Sweden. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, yeah. Why don't we go live in Sweden? Yeah, you're a guy who lives in Sweden. Tell me yes. everything. Not really. I mean, I live I in Texas. Is that no, quite Sweden? No, I didn't mean it like oh. that. It wasn't like you're out. Oh. You're out in left field. I oh. mean, you're a guy who was like, why don't I just? You and Tim sure. Ferriss both picked Austin. I have yeah. to think you have very good reasons. Yeah, you walk in the woods. Tell me yeah. everything. I mean, uh, it. I think it's less intentional than you think, but it takes. It starts by like taking smaller risks. So it wasn't like we were like this is exactly what we want. It's all mapped up. It was more like is this we, you and your family or you? And this is me and my wife. Uh-huh. Uh, it was like, well, let's. I was like, I want to live here as I'm working on. I wanted to live somewhere not LA as I was working on my first book. So I moved to New Orleans and I really liked it, but it was like, this is not a place for like an adult human to live. <laughs> exactly. Everyone has rum. Yeah. I feel the same. I feel so uncool when I'm in New Orleans. Yeah. I'm like, put that in a brown bag. It was great. It was great, but not sustainable. So then, then I lived in New York, and I hated it. Really? Uh, and then, tell so, me why. Um, I don't like really loud noises. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, I don't like those trucks with like the uh, you know the trucks that have like the dumpster on the back, and sure. then they go through the they go through the intersection. Like a truck kind of comes up, and then it, like clashes back oh, down. Yeah. I would rather just be like punched in the face than hear that. Like I, I like I feel that like in Ryan, my soul. Can I just tell you? I just think we're gonna relate. Okay, you're gonna relate so hard. I lived in Bushwick before it was cool, <laughs> and I lived in this building, and I swore I was the only one. It was one of the loneliest things. I had my girlfriend at the time lay on my bed, and I was like, "You can feel the building shake when trucks go by." Yeah. But no, it was like, I always say this, but it's like a zombie movie. The worst yeah. thing isn't the zombies. The worst thing is no, nobody believes yeah. that you just saw a bunch of zombies coming out of the grave. No one could tell. I was like, you don't feel that? Yeah. And it would be lying there. And I'm like, there, there, <laughs> there. And some people can just tune things yeah. out. And something as I, as I get to know myself better, I'm like, I am sound sensitive there's like white noise in here and stuff yeah. and headphones so i, I just get like get sensory it. overload so i really didn't like that but the main thing was it was like great professionally i was like seeing cool people all the time but it was that like it was really hard to not do stuff so it would be like oh. you know like 
hey, all these people are getting together for dinner. And it's like, it's seven blocks away. Like, you can't say no. It's you, so easy. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I really didn't like that. You need, dude, we're in my room yeah. with the sauna. Yeah. And every time, I know, Katie, you're so right to laugh. The sauna. What has this podcast become? <laughs> we record it in the room. The third guest on every episode <laughs> is the sauna. But I wonder if you can relate to this. Um, and I'm going to stop saying this seems like a Ryan Holiday thing. When I, what I mean by that is it seems like a smart, thoughtful, life-hacking, quality-of-life-improving thing. Yeah. I noticed, I can't say to Valerie, I mean, I'd say this if she was in here. She sometimes listens to the show. So it's, we know this. I can't say I'm just going to go in the back and be quiet for an hour. But I can say I'll go take a sauna. Oh, like, sure. That's what yeah. a sauna is. Yeah. Similarly, having a dog... I'm I'm not joking when I say one of the perks was I could get out of things. Yeah. I kids are you, great for that too. Ex- yeah. Dude, yeah. when we got the baby, we people the baby. When we got the baby, you know, on Amazon. Yeah. Right. Uh I I I'm just that sort of person. I like knowing that if I need to and I don't need to rely on my ability to be like I just need to not do that tonight. Yeah. I can go the baby they gotta get the baby or i gotta the dog is gonna have diarrhea in the fishbowl yeah i gotta get home yeah or i want to take a sauna like i want to have these little escape hatches right and you couldn't do that in new york i find that very relatable well yeah and then so being in austin like if it's important stuff i can i'll go like i'll fly but i i'm not like expected to be anywhere and so i just get out of a lot of stuff that i don't want to do and it was especially like with the marketing consulting stuff my business does it was always like People were like, oh, let's get together and talk about it in person. It's like, this is like an eight-minute phone call Dude, or an hour and a half meeting. kicks. Yeah. People are like, let's get on the phone and talk yeah. about this. And I'll be like, no, I'll email you. Yeah. What, what, but in what New York, it's do. like, let's get together yeah. today, which yeah. is even worse than a phone call. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so you moved to Austin partly to be like, I'm going to just have a way to be more deliberate about what I actually yeah. want to do. Yeah. That seems like one of the things you're very good at is learning to ask, what do I actually want to do? What do I actually need to do? I think Does so. Does that sound right? Yeah. And then so so we're, we were in Austin and then we bought a goat on Craigslist uh, <laughs> one day. <laughs> And then it spiraled out of control from there. And now See, we joke that I a got farm. a baby on Amazon, yeah. but you did get did a buy, goat on. I did buy a goat on Craigslist. Craigslist? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just thought we were like, it wouldn't even be cool to have a goat. And we bought a goat. We had like, like uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but okay. Our yard is was similarly sheltered in mm-hmm. Austin. And so like no one could see what you had. It was like surrounded. And so we got this goat and it was awesome. It lived in the yard. Is the goat gone? Well, no. Now we have a farm. We have multiple goats. <laughs> 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 Dude, this yeah. is what Val and I we had to have this recently happen where we would love goats and we would love <laughs> okay. and you have to have some, two goats. That's the problem. We got one this they guy have to have they get lonely, so we had to get a second He's goat. He's signing, please get the key. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh no, I know. It would knock it could, they they would like it was it was constantly looking in like the glass front door, like that's what the goat was doing. It was wow. like, you know, you was guys eating goat another, in there? <laughs> yeah, so we had to get another goat. I'm a goat. Yeah, I went out last night, and we—I guess you could say—I guess I—I—I I, I was watching this great talk you had. And you said Socrates was aware of what he was ignorant of. Yeah, right, and that yeah. was his genius. Mm-hmm. And it, basically, you were talking about beginner's mind. Um, the ego wants to say I'm a master. Like my mm. ego wants to be like you're the best stand up in the world. Uh, obviously, I don't believe that. Yeah. I don't even really think that. Obviously, but like 
the beginner's mind would say you should watch watch this new special or go watch a show and, and yeah. learn. These people are yeah. giving you free intel, like learn yeah. from them and stay humble. How did that tie into goats? What the fuck was I saying? I don't know. Let's take a break. Squarespace makes <laughs> websites that are easy to scroll through. You ever been on a website and you just can't scroll through it? No. Me neither. Squarespace fixes that problem. Sure. <laughs> um, who fucking knows? I was going to say we want goats, and we are, we're always like we yeah. want to go and get a farm. We call it. We used to call it the farm dream. And then one day we were just like, this is the farm dream. That feels like a... What do you mean? Like this? we're already living it. Like the the ego, as I know yeah. it, well, there's a, I think it's Muji said, given the choice between a journey and a destination, the ego will always choose a journey. Sure. Because it wants to feel like it's going somewhere. Yeah. You said that in one of your talks where it's like the ego is always moving your goal yeah. one click forward. Sure. Like you never get there. Yeah, it just moves the goalpost. Yeah. And this is very tricky when it comes to your happiness. And it's even trickier when you come to something as esoteric as spiritual enlightenment. It's, it's always going to say like, if you read this book or go to this retreat or whatever, maybe you'll get there. So Val and I had to go like, we may not have a goat, but what we love about living where we le- live is we're very close to some good friends sure. and we're and I'm close to doing things that I like this podcast for example people come to me yeah. if we lived in Ohio yeah. even yeah. it's a now it's a it's a right. it's a fuck yeah. now I'm fucking myself no, no totally so we had to go and this feels very Ryan Holiday again I just mean that as a compliment I was like wait we're already here yeah what is the problem I like asking that question what is the problem you know no it is it, it was interesting so uh as soon as we bought it, all these everyone said they're like, "That's totally my dream." That's like what they they all everyone's like. I've always dreamed of having a farm. I always wanted to do that. My wife and I, or my husband and I, we talk about this all the time. Right. And it was like, <clears throat> this farm costs less than my rent on a studio apartment in New York City. Like it's yeah. not. It's you not, could do it. They're like they're not giving them away, but like like they're not. It's the opposite of like uh, a hot real estate market. Like nobody's right. buying hobby farms. Uh, like, Scooping them a, up It's a huge losing You'll money You'll be it's relieving a, someone of their hobby to, farm totally. That they panicked and it's sold a, to It's you. an enormous money pit It's not like yeah. you know, like It's it's the, the movie Funny Farm Yeah And and so the, the <laughs> So there was that aspect, Like I, what, what I sort of took from it It was like Oh everyone says they want to do this And either they don't want to do it Or they think it's much harder than it actually is And so it was like Oh we just did it And it's been wonderful But to go to your point Like I remember when we we found like we fell in love with this. We were looking for a while. And we found it. We're like, this is it. This is amazing. And then getting uh, getting a mortgage when you're like self employed is like the worst thing in the world. Like it's so hard, right? Because like they would rather you work at the post office and make forty thousand dollars a year than make really great money, but not be able to explain where it comes from right, or how right. regular it is. Right. It was like, no, I have the money. I just want a mortgage, you know, like, and right. they're like, well, that doesn't matter to us. Like, show us your, you know, show us your royalty thing. Yeah, yeah, it was exactly. like, so it was this enormous nightmare. It took forever. We almost didn't I get had it. That happened where I was trying to rent a house and uh, it was, we're behind the skyline for the Pete Home show. And I was like, I'm the host of the Pete Home show. Yeah. <laughs> and they were, but the show had been just been yeah. canceled. <laughs> And they wrote back in all caps, like as if I was trying to trick them. It was like the Pete Holmes show was canceled. 
and you are no longer the host of the like it was a long angry <laughs> gotcha email That's so and i wanted to reply they let me keep my salary yeah. like this was like a right. very reasonable rental it wasn't yeah. like i wasn't buying yeah. a, an estate it was right. like way less than this house as a rental and and they were they were so suspicious yeah it's your point they would be like if i was like i i am a mail carrier yeah i would have been like fantastic <laughs> right. steady work right welcome aboard so it was this whole I thing guess. and i remember just thinking like if i don't could know just please if we could just please get this we want this so bad like we are all, and then it was like we were there like you know like six months and we were like we really don't like the layout you know, like, wouldn't it be better if it had different floors? You know, like, you think, like, oh, we're, like, we're getting our dream house, and then the next thing you're doing is, like, how could the dream house be better than what two seconds ago we thought was our dream house? journey, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. This is, yes, of course, it's what you're saying. I hear <laughs> that you hear me, and I get that you understood what you were saying. That, that, that's me being like, I am not my father, I heard you. <laughs> and I am my father, and go Red Sox. <laughs> But um, that is the thing is where we know if we went to anywhere, you'd have a new set of yeah. problems. Right. So this kind of goes into your book is like the new book is like, I know it's a cliche, but wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. It has been like a cliche that really blossomed for me lately. Yeah. Because like on planes. So I went and saw Eckhart Tolle who quoted Marcus Aurelius, I thought really? of you. Oh. And he was like, one of my favorite books, Meditations. And I was like, yeah! <laughs> Daily Stoic, bitch! I yelled at. It was weird. I'm sure he appreciated it. It was very loud in that. That room is quiet. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he was saying, he didn't say wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. He puts it a different way. He says, the present moment is your life. I've been saying it on so many episodes yeah. lately. I'm going to keep saying it because I say it to myself 30,000 times a day, even brushing your teeth, taking out the garbage, how you feel in that moment is how you feel about your life. Yeah. And yeah. it's so boring and simple. Even as I'm saying it, it's it's boring me and it sounds too simple. Like it sounds like there's no juice in there. But it's the sort of thing that if you really ingest it, I, I, maybe I said this last time, they used to have students carve things like that in wood, like a large... It, the point of it was that it was cumbersome and you'd have to carry it around with you for a year. So it would be weighing yeah. down your backpack. It would be with you on an airplane. It would be with you in the car. So you'd really be forced to like oh. ingest the gravity of it. Yeah. Isn't that good? Yeah, yeah. And the present moment is your life is one of those things where if you remember to remember it, the juice of it will present itself when you're like angry or frustrated. Yeah. And you go like, this is my life. We think our life is looking at a chart later and going like well i have this much happiness and this much sadness and this much frustration it's just right now it's just right now it's just right now and how i feel in this interview with you i can feel my innards literally like relaxing and separating in a beautiful way that just not in a gassy way in a very beautiful way where i just go like this is it yeah don't bang out the ryan interview so what so later i can go like i did a podcast today katie we have one for wednesday like Shut the fuck up. This is it. Right. No, and that's where, I mean, we've talked about the memento mori thing before, but that's where it, it's like, if, why are you rushing? You can talk about it well, again. No, no, I just mean, why are you rushing towards your death? You know, like, <laughs> that's what I've been thinking about lately. Like, like, why are you trying to get through this if on the other side of it is just nothing? 
I'm so with you. I've mentioned this a million times. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an admirer of Tony Robbins. Some of those, I'm not even abreast of what, I know he has some problems yes. lately. So those noted. He had something that I've always sort of had a little bit of a problem with because it reminds me a little bit of Christian, bad Christian philosophy, which he's like, he, he wants armchair moments or rocking chair moments. Yeah. He's living his life so yes, part, part can, of it so yeah. he can look back on it and be like, remember, remember water skiing in Cabo. Yeah. And I'm like, it doesn't work. Yeah. For me, it doesn't work. Yeah. And so many of us are living, especially when I was raised in the evangelical narrative, it was all about like sort of cashing in later right. or being on our deathbeds and being like, I was a good boy and everything's okay. I've been on great vacations. It's like Total Recall. If I sit around and think about them, it doesn't really do anything for me. Right. It's like if I can use a vacation to cultivate the skill of stillness and to cultivate the joy of being, which again sounds so trite and stupid, but if you can plug into the fact that you exist, so there's like a nuclear reactor in your heart that's generating energy and life force in you, and if you can kind of like merge with that and feel the bliss of being, non-circumstantial yeah. being, if you can use a vacation to practice that, yeah. then that's actually yeah. worthwhile, and use anything to practice that. Well, because they do that thing like on your deathbed, are you going to sit back and go like, "I wish I worked more," right? And and that's supposed to <laughs> that's supposed to be like that's why you should go on more vacations, right? But I don't think anyone's also on their deathbed and they're like, "Fuck it, remember all those ski trips? Like that was so important." You know, it's Ryan, like, and that's it. Yeah. You just said it. Keep going, please keep going. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. It's like how do you just go like the the one I I. My sort of mantra thing I've been thinking about lately is just like this is enough. Like this is this. That's it. Just this thing. Um, that's yeah. In in my book, which you were gracious in promoting, I my mantra is yes, thank you. I know I've been thinking about that. And then be, because I didn't even realize it, I swear when I was writing it that that is obvious. It's one of the most obvious. It's not obvious. It's well trodden territory. It's Buddhist non resistance. Yeah. No, but I think you put it in a, in a in a unique package that I hadn't heard. like. Yeah, no, I think it's great. Non-resistance isn't as um, tasty or easy as actually just saying yes, thank you. Because yeah. thank you implies that you're like... we Val and I, she brought me right into the moment. We were walking back uh, from brunch this morning, or whatever it was, lunch. It was a meal. And um, we were talking about non-resistance, and because we, we're planning this tour and all these dates and all blah, blah, and we were realizing that that was stressing us out. And then we were talking about our friend Michael Gunger, and she was like, I handed him a Topo Chico recently. And I, I said, I love Topo. Me too. Big into the cheek. She gives it's from him, Austin. I know. I'm addicted to Is it. that where they bottle it? No, they bottle it. It's, uh, it's water imported from Mexico, which, which is so which crazy. Is amazing. I know. I know. Uh, but no, Austin is like the town. Austin and San Antonio are the two towns that like really happened in. I'm doing your Bushwick thing where you go, like, I drank it before it was cool. No, I love But that's it. where it was. That, that was. Those are like the two cities that really came in, and then I think people would come to Austin for South by Southwest, and then and then then it was yes. like New York. Like I just bought one in New York. I was in New York last week. I think it, now, well, now it's owned by Coke, but now it's the it's they the sold thing. it to Coke. Yeah. Oh my God! Which it's the means... best though. I think it's the perfect size bottle. Yep. And I think the bubbles are the right size. It's definitely about a carbonation. If yeah. you get into bubbly water and yeah. you're like. The t- topo bu- bubbles seem to be like smaller 
and more numerous. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I'm sure it's totally, uh, <clears throat> totally made up, but that's it's, that's how it tastes. It definitely tastes that way. It seems like a Malcolm Gladwell thing. Like he yeah. could track track the trend of people getting sugar conscious, yeah, and then still wanting bubbly yeah. water, and also hydration conscious. So we have these two forks. Sugar and then conscious. there's like a PBR kind of hipstery thing to it. You completely know, completely agree. Yeah. And the bottle knows what it's doing. Yeah, which of course is just a bottle. No, but I think it's the right size bottle. It's just like like when I drink like the bigger Pellegrinos, I always get like two-thirds of the way done, and yeah. then I w- I'm wasting it. I agree. But this is like, a, it's a, and there's no lid, because you pop it. So it's like, you got to drink it all in one setting. You're committed. I thought a lot about Topo. I'm currently <laughs> we, thinking a lot we about bought Topo, a different, We it. bought a different fridge, so it could have a drawer for Topo. Like, the, when we were shopping for fridges, we were thinking... Where's the Topo drawer? Yes. Ryan, I'll show you in the house. I have a separate fridge, a mini fridge. Of Topo Chico? Because this was like a beautiful moment where I was like, I have $200. You know what I mean? Like, mini fridges seem so extravagant. It was like, I have. I can buy a Ferrari, but I'll definitely buy a fridge for the water that I like. And I call it my beer fridge. I stopped drinking. Yeah. But our our brains like ritual. Here's something our brains like, and I can't explain it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's right. some, and you, it's, we're so you gotta stupid. You got to use a bottle opener. I know. Yeah. I know. Have you had grapefruit topo? I don't, I, I just like the not regular one. It. My He's wife likes the other one. I, I'm just a regular. Have he you had the mini like topo? Have you seen the mini one? There's mini topos? <laughs> oh, my topo. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even remember what we were talking about. What were we talking about? You were about? saying you handed someone a topo. Oh, chico, right. You drinking a topo chico. And I don't know if Michael asked for a topo or any. I, he loves yeah. topo, of course. This is who could topo. not? Yeah. <laughs> who could not? <laughs> he handed, she handed him a topo, and he goes, uh, "I got you topo chico. I hope that's okay." And he goes, "It's what's happening." <laughs> yeah, that's, sure. yes, thank you. Yeah, right. When when and this is Eckhart Tolle too. He's like, there are instances where you need to have agency yeah. and go like, there is another way to do this. Then we actually broke into talking about my ways bit. The reason I hate ways is because it's an app that says there's a way to resist this moment. I understand yeah. that there are times when it's great. You're in a rush. You're in an emergency. I've used it. That's why I have a bit about it. Clearly, I've used it. I still have What's it on my bit? phone. The bit is shut up and get on the 10 and just sit and oh, listen to sure. a book, listen to a podcast. Just the present moment is your life. Like There's a time to go like, I live in L.A., there's a lot of traffic. I don't need to make a suicide left onto a four-lane sure, sure. road. I just got a ride. I was in Denver. My driver was like, I'm going to take us. Yeah. There's traffic. I'm going to take us a, a goofy route. He didn't say goofy. Yeah. I'm going to take us another route. He made a left across a freeway. <laughs> right. Yeah, That means he went across four lanes, yeah. and then w- we were in the middle, and then had to floor it to merge into the leftmost lane of yeah. a highway going the other yeah. way. And I was like... I'd rather sit peaceably yeah. for six minutes in traffic sure. than do this. And that's my ways bit. And that's yes, thank you. And the present moment is your life. And then the Eckhart Tolle thing I was going to say was, which is why Michael says it's what's happening, yeah. is there's times in our life, one of the skills that I don't see people cultivating is to resist what is yeah. when there isn't a way around it yeah. is not just dumb is mental illness. That's what Eckhart says. He well, goes, this. if you're on a delayed flight, 
And they're like, we have to sit on the tarmac yeah. for 20 minutes. And you decide to have an aneurysm. Yeah. That is mental illness. It's a very mild mental illness that we all have. Yeah, no, but my, look around. There's some people smiling like Hindu cows. My, my flight from flight New York, club. this woman was throwing this temper tantrum about how she thought she'd bought a bulkhead seat, but it wasn't on the bulkhead. <laughs> and, the bulk, and, and it was just like, all right, this is not... I mean, they're not going to make you another seat. Like, you know That's what right. I mean? <clears throat> and I always like those... I, I think earlier in my <laughs> earlier in my life I would have gotten like upset or or like I would have I would have judged this person and now I go like this is what you look like when you do this right and that's why it hurts yeah. when you see them doing it so the Stoics talk about ascent so a s s e n t not like ascent like up a yeah. mountain and drop just, that c get another s in there yeah which just means like you go along like ascent means like i accept this is what it is i use the word surrender and yeah. i tried using it with my father recently and he i was well, like surrender has he like hates some, it yeah a, a surrender is bad so i think ascent is a good word marcus Reyes talks about he calls it the art of acquiescence um, which i think is beautiful uh and then the other the other stoic one is amor fati um which is like taking it to another level it's like you you're not <clears throat> it's it's like yes thank you or but like almost to another degree like yeah it's it's like i'm so grateful do you know what i mean like like it's like it, it means a love of fate so you just love everything that happens a love of fate yeah, that's what it means. that's it so eckhart yeah. tolle talks about jay krishnamurti do you know him no he's he's a pretty amazing speaker and he has a lot of youtubes uh very popular in india and he would give these talks and and he was so esoteric i used to make fun of jay krishnamurti because someone would be like should we meditate and he'd be like why what are you what are you gonna do like he just seemed it almost seemed like a prank yeah he was like why you're gonna sit somewhere and just close your eyes i don't understand he was one of those rascals yeah he had like a a tang to him. Yeah. And then finally, after like decades of speaking, and he had a lot of followers because he was clearly transmitting something really powerful and, and great for people. He finally said, do you want to know my secret? I'm going to tell you my secret. This is a man who never gave yeah. a direct teaching yeah. his whole time. And he said, my secret is I don't mind what happens. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, fucking A, that's the art of acquiescence. Yeah, yeah. That's And that's yes, thank you. Yeah. And the story that they tell that's a very extreme example is there was a monk, this might be folklore, it yes. might be myth, it might, I don't know, it might be true, who cares? Does it get you there? The story is there was a monk who was accused of uh, getting a girl pregnant yeah. in the town, and they uh, kicked him out of the village, and he had to like leave the village, and they gave him the baby. They're like, you motherfucker, you take the right. baby, you raise the baby. And all he said was, aso, which means I see. Yeah. And he took the baby and he raised the baby for like 12 years. They come back and they go, the woman confessed that it wasn't you. Uh, we're going to take the baby. We're so sorry. And he just said, ah, so yeah. I see. That is like, yeah. this is what's happening. And obviously that's a very extreme example. My example is lately I've just been getting on planes and the, and the seat just reclines. <laughs> like, I mean, like I sit in it and it has no support. Like I'm in a yeah. forced recline. Yeah. And you look around. They're, it's your point. They're not going to make another seat. So can you use this? Can you use your vacation? Can you use your frustration to remember that the moment is all you have? Yeah. Everything you feel can be a reminder. Well, so the ways thing, though, what I do think is interesting, if you want to talk about ascent, is like there's a certain there's a certain percentage of the population now that their job is literally to follow ways. Like they, you're an Uber driver. You're, it's like, it tell, but they go, no, I know better. 
right? Like, like and they go, and and they go, have you ever been in one and you're just like, it says like 17 minutes to destination and then they're driving and it's like 17 minutes, 17 minutes because they're just blowing off ways because, right. or Google Maps. Like it is interesting that there's a certain percentage of the population where their job is just to like listen to the computer. That's like, a hundred, like listen to the computer and don't get in a car crash. Right, right. right. And they're like, nope, not going to do it. Can't do it. You know, like, and that there, that's a that's its own sort of form of messed up energy. That's right? interesting. It can go either way. Yeah, I am sort of the guy that doesn't listen to ways though. It's yeah. like which which way are you surrendering to? Yeah, I'm surrendering to traffic. You're saying you should surrender that the app knows better. I'm just saying if your job is to be a professional driver, and here you have the greatest supercomputer in history that's telling you <laughs> down to the second based on thousands of cars ahead of you on the road which way to go, and you're like. I'm not going to do that turn. I think, and then you're watching it tell like you're getting yeah. real time feedback. Life is telling you like wrong call, minutes. wrong call, wrong call. <laughs> like you don't know what you're doing, and they just keep plunging it. That's funny. That is the other side of my ways argument. I um, what did you just make me think though? Uh, what's wrong with my brain today, Katie? <laughs> we don't know. Did you uh, sleep? I slept great. So it's not that. Well, I woke up at like six and hung out with the baby mm-hmm. until eight and put her down. And then I slept for another two hours and that can sometimes fuck up your shit. Yeah. The midday. I actually wrote down, ask Ryan about his sleep. Okay. What is your strategy? Cause I, I really, I'm a great admirer of yours and I'm just like, just because we've already done a podcast. I was like, just get some good Ryan. Okay. Like, what are you doing? So what are you eating? I yeah. want to talk about you walking okay. in the woods. I watched yeah. that video you did. Oh, I don't know what this is, but sure. You know what I'm saying? No. Yeah, yeah. I know, know what I walk. Yeah, I know I walk every morning. You, you did a video about it. Oh, okay. I don't know. Like, these things okay, just someone happen. stole these things, audio these of things, you and put things, it over. These things clip. happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's what's happening. Yeah, these things happen. I No, what, so what I do is, so yeah, my, son, my son wakes up early, like all, all kids. You don't really need an alarm clock when you have kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I... I take him and we go for a walk in the morning. That's like that's the first. The other thing I do is I don't use the phone for the first thirty minutes to one hour of the day. That's my new thing. Yeah. Um, but so we just yeah we just walk. Um, Somebody told me that that when you look at your phone first thing in the morning, which I also noticed makes me feel terrible because you're starting on your back foot. You're like starting. Reactive. You're like somebody told me this or somebody you don't happen this. to the world. The world happens to you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like. Oh, this thing got canceled, or you know, so like you don't want to do like that's the worst. Yeah. Uh, even when it's good, like I I woke up this morning and I had to use my phone because I was in a hotel, so it was my alarm. But like as I as I checked it, I could see like eight text messages from my agent. Yeah. Uh, and I could tell just from like what it was, that it was good news, Dick but I. <laughs> this is not appropriate, Daryl. His name is Steve. Uh, uh, Steve had sent me, but they were like, it was obvious that they were good. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were about a deal we're negotiating for. You mean you peripherally saw the emojis involved? Like, yeah. Uh, and, and it was like, I had, to, I had to actually go, like, I could get sucked into this. And it will, and, and I had to actually go, like, no. I know it's good news. I know I want it. And then you're talking about using things as practice. It was like, I'm actually going to, I went swimming. I was like, I'm going to swim and I'm going to actively not think about what it could be. There were sales numbers on the book. And I was like, I don't, I was like, if I hadn't touched my phone, I wouldn't know that those 
texts exist. And so I would have had a swim where I was just swimming and thinking about whatever I wanted to think about. That wouldn't be dis- the fact that at, you know, 7 a.m. Eastern time, I got this, like, he got the news. And so he sent me the text. Right. That random circumstance should not affect what i do in the morning someone's taking your water and putting it in a bowl instead of letting you just run downstream naturally and just be like ryan is a river yeah and they're like no ryan goes in these topo chico bottles yes you're like look they're great bottles and i love that the cab comes off to be fair topo chico comes from an underground spring uh, a magical magical underground mineral spring and i believe is that true yes i believe we can look at the bottle it says that it comes out naturally carbonated or partially naturally carbonated. I would believe that. So that's why it's so magical. God loves carbonated water. Of course. <laughs> it, it's, it was some... Thunder is some as Some Aztec thing, or I don't know. But I love it. And so, this podcast <laughs> is brought to you by Topo Chico. Um, but so, so uh, what I try to do, I try to do some form of walking. I My son's a little older, so we got a bike, and I take him around on a bike trailer. So this I is do preschool, before school, I mean. Yeah, yeah, this is like... Between six thirty and eight, this, this is amazing. This happens. We just do that, and I don't take my phone. And I'm just outside. That's a Rob Bell thing, who we both love. Rob was like, we had such a good laugh. This is when I started pointing out. Rob knows this, by the way. This is six years ago. I was like, so many of the things you say are stand-up premises, and like if you just yelled them, that'd be funny. Yeah, they were funny, but I was like, if I were you, I'd just yell them. <laughs> Like, yeah. just say them over and over and call people dumb and, like, everyone will yeah. kind of get shocked into, like, laughter. But he has this thing where he's like, you go to Disney World and you see these families having meltdowns. Yeah. And he's like, because they're putting all this pressure yeah. on the idea that Disney World is supposed to be amazing. This is also why kids often have meltdowns at birthday parties because yeah. they know there's this pressure. Yeah. Expectation is the enemy of joy. Sure. It's the enemy of a lot of things. There's your new book. I'm just kidding. It sounds like a thing you'd say. Expectation is the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> but he goes, it's not Disney World. It's the ride to school. Yeah. I was like, that's another way of saying sure. the moment is your life. That you can connect. Sometimes when I, I'm leaving the house, I just love talking to you because I know you'll enjoy this, or I hope. I'm leaving the house. I'm in a rush. You just take 30 seconds to just take Val, square e- yourselves up to each other, and just look in her eyes wow. and just be like, just take fucking 30 seconds? Sure. Is anyone going to go like, Pete, we weren't going to say you're late, but you were 30 seconds past the mark. Right. Like, Sure. That doesn't matter, but you take that moment to connect, and you feel that yeah. it's like you dock, yeah, and you, and no, then you right. leave the house. Yeah, people so, do that with their kids too. So I do the walk. That's the the walk. In the that's morning. It's the doing. best part of when we're on the farm. It's the best part because uh, it's a dirt road. It's quiet. The sun's coming up. There's no one around. We see animals and stuff. The goats. Yeah. No, I mean like <clears throat> deer or skunks or foxes. And, oh wow! You know. I think it's good for kids to learn the subtlety of animals, like a, a, to see a skunk. Yeah. Garrison Keillor has this thing. He's like, people from the Midwest, this is a, a while ago. I feel like we've all been modernized. Like people in the Midwest tend to be calmer and more stable people because they're, this is a, probably a joke in part, but he was like, because they're raised around livestock. Yeah. I think I learned a lot of my calmness and a, a way to like settle down because I was raised with cats. I was like, if you're not sure. present with it'll, this cat, get you. it will scratch you. Yeah. And your kid, your son is probably like, if I panic in front of a skunk, yeah. this, this is a different memory. Yeah. 
Like this is a yeah. tomato juice bath. Yeah. So we just go, we do that. So that's, and then I come home. That's when I journal a little bit. We have breakfast usually as a family. And then, then I go right into the writing. So I want to start, I want to front load it as much of the stillness stuff at the beginning of the day. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. That again, Eckhart at the retreat was saying like all real, create all real creativity and I think what he means is non-reactive creativity. A lot of us can mimic things, or a lot of us can try and guess yeah. what the market wants, which is terrible. I don't know yeah. if you've ever caught yourself, I have, going like, what is the name of the book that would sell a million? Sure. We yeah. do that with movies, too. Yeah. I remember my friend sold a movie called Walk of Shame, and the executives were like, we bought it because we loved the title. We yeah. just wanted a movie called Walk yeah. of Shame. And even though I think The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck is a great book, I thought I was like, I got trapped thinking if I could think of the right title. Sure. That's not real creativity. Yeah. No. I and, mean, it's a type of creativity. And even when you see the ones that actually work that seem like they have a title, like Mark's, Mark's awesome. Like he wrote that, he wrote an essay with that title like many years ago that mm. did really well. And then he wrote a book and then they're like, what should we call it? You know what I mean? Like, it's, Oh, interesting. It's, it's, it's not like... It's not reverse engineered. Yeah. Very, very rarely is good stuff coming out of that That's what space. I mean. Yeah, That's totally. head stuff. Yeah. And Eckhart was saying that true creativity comes from stillness yeah. because it actually gives a chance for this like unconscious, delicious, subtle... It's, it's, there's a swirl, like a Ben and Jerry's pint. There's a swirl of like your childhood. Yeah. There's a swirl of what you were dreaming. There's a swirl of what you've been watching and consuming and knocking over during this wonderful tangent. I'm just kidding. Katie did just knock a bunch of stuff over for people that thought something fell over in the backseat of their car. <laughs> no, you're good. Is it still working? The fan? Oh, nice. It's all good. It's all good. It's what's happening. <laughs> but that it yeah. doesn't surprise me that you're getting juice out of having your stillness. Yeah. And then we're both. We're spirit and brains. You know yeah. what I mean? And But feeding both of those things. Well, I, I was thinking about this recently because one of the things I talk about in the book is the idea of like enough. Like this what is, is stillness is the key. Yes. Yes. Uh, Let's just do it. Let's promote it. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> but, edit, edit that out. But we're, we're <laughs> like the idea of enough, right? Like, if, what if you feel good, right? What and and people go like, I I get that, but you know, well, I still do good work. Like, don't you need that drive? To, the insecurity. Yeah, the insecurity isn't that what makes you great? If you didn't want to get one more, would you keep going? Um, or if if you felt like you had enough money, would you still go out and work as hard? That sort of thing. And I was thinking about that because, like, I, clearly, like, by an external measurement, that's kind of what my career looks like. I mean, I wrote my first book when I was like twenty four. Came out when I was twenty five. I'm thirty two now. I've done nine books. Like, there's a th- that doesn't just happen. That there's a yeah. need, a Dude, compulsion there, right? I catch myself giving interviews where I'm talking about like the bliss of being yeah. and just surrendering and acquiescence and all that stuff. I didn't use that word yeah. until now. And then I'm like, oh, wait, this dude just wants to talk about how the fuck you're actually doing this stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You realize you have to switch gears and go like, oh, this is a different interview. We should yeah. just talk about you wrote nine books. Yeah. But 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 clearly, that you don't, there's some, some compulsion there to do. Uh, 
And, and so I was trying, and, and that's, that's like help. That's been helpful. Right. Like if I was like, if I did one book and I was like, this is awesome. Uh, I wouldn't have immediately started the next one. And, and so anyways, right. I, but it, I was trying to think like, is that why they've been successful? Is that the secret? Is it the, the, the ceaseless need yeah. that's the source of it? If, if so, like then you should lean into it and cultivate it. But when I really think of why the books have worked or what I'm proud about, them or why they've resonated or, or the core of them it's that it, i was thinking that like okay the need to to do and to, that's never satisfied that's what's getting the deals mm-hmm. right that's what's like oh let's go out with this proposal i got this pitch let's sell it mm-hmm. and i like the rush of that but the the only reason that i'm still doing this and can still do it and the books have worked is because of where i was when i was sitting at the computer writing the actual book uh-huh. Which is the opposite of that place. It's interesting. It's it's you the know what two I mean. Parties of your yeah <laughs> government. The the, the work like it's the actual love of the doing the thing, which is I think much closer to stillness than it is to like need or craving. And yet we spend a lot of times, a lot of times, sort of lionizing the craving. Like, oh, this guy's so hungry. Like, it's the hunger to win. We talk about right, in sports, right. but it's like really, it's like, do you? just love the actual thing that that's been something you've helped me tap into is like can really? we yeah like with the next show or next whatever project i'm doing i've i've been talking with people about it and i'm like my number one goal is i'll give you a better example okay. I, I wrote jerry seinfeld an email to i don't have his email to his manager okay because i want him to do the podcast and i think it might happen yeah which is very exciting. has he ever done one i don't know i don't think he has yeah he's done alec baldwin's Okay. He did Baldwin. That was great. Okay. Um, and I, I was thinking about it. How do you get someone who doesn't need anything yeah. to do it? And I sort of went Ryan Holiday stoicism. And I said, I guess I'm proud of this because I've told this story before. I'm like, I, I want to deliver something that you'll enjoy while we're doing it. Yeah. And that's so when I'm talking about making a new show, I was like, I want to architect it in a way that we can enjoy it. Yeah. I want to write a book in a way that I can enjoy it. Right. And I, so I think maybe, did we talk about this? I was like, I mean, just in life, I was like, I sort of want to try and write this next one just on my own without a deadline. And then yeah. when I think I need a deadline, I'll sell sure. it. But that is me going like, isn't it possible to just write it, be still and enjoy it? And then let the hungry, desperate guy yeah. go out and sell it. Yeah, no, no. It it's uh, my first book was that way. I I sold it without. I I wrote it and then sold it. Did you tell them you had written it? Uh, yes, but actually, in most cases, you don't want to do that. Like yeah. they'll pay more. It's so weird how I guess maybe this is show business in generally, but in publishing, like they'll typically pay more for a proposal than they will for a book because the proposal can be anything. The proposal may be the next great American novel, right. but the book is just the book right. and it's worth what it's worth. And so they think about it more rationally than if you go out and you want to uh, play into the limitless possibility of yeah. what's in the box. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what, what could be behind this curtain? But right. I have this in movies and TV shows. Now that I'm older, I'm like, they'll be teasing something where it's like, 
Like an example would be True Detective, and they're like Carcosa. Remember the first season of True yeah. Detective? They're like Carcosa. The the blind woman says that, and I'm like, what the fuck is Carcosa gonna be? And I'm like, it's a place. Yeah. It's gonna be a three dimensional place made of right. matter. Yeah, it's gonna probably be dark and scary, but like. There's nothing new under the sun yeah. is, is the sure. ecclesiastical approach and be like, yeah. it's going to be a thing. Yeah. And it's going to, we don't know, but right. there's no real surprises. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah, it is, it is weird. Uh, I, I could totally see writing a, a book that way. The, I, the, the nice part about books now and like, like a movie or something is like, even if they don't like it, you can still put it out. That was something someone told me when I was working on my first book. They were like, we're, I was like, is it is it is it dumb to do it this way? Is it too big of a risk? Like, he was like, look, twenty years ago, yeah, it'd be a risk that you spent a year writing this book and no one will see it. But he's like, that doesn't exist anymore. You can always put it out. Yeah. Like, and and that is a, it it, it is weird that like creatively, uh, artists have never had more access to an audience, but somehow people are taking way less risks. Yeah, that's you know, like isn't like you don't have to worry. Like it used to be, like I could die and this will still be in a drawer in my office and no one will know that I made this thing. That's like a hundred percent not going to happen. You could always put it on Salinger. It, yeah, yeah. You could always put it on YouTube or you know. You I just had dinner with Rob last night and I was like, I'm a three on the Enneagram, which is the achiever. And I was like, What are you going to do? He just toured this two hour special. He was like, I think I'm going to put it on YouTube. And I was like. I go, my three is really getting worked up right now because I'm like, why wouldn't you sell it? Yeah. But he has this like purity that I really admire. And he talked about it. He was like, it always sort of works out. It's not superstitious, but he's like, there's this way of like flowing and giving. It's the same reason like I told Rob that he should do ads on his podcast. And he was like, it just doesn't feel... Wait, who is this? Rob Bell. Oh. It doesn't feel like in his world... And then I was like, it's interesting. That does work for him. He has a quiet appreciation for doing it and doing it because he likes doing it yeah. and because he likes sharing things with people. And that can be completely separate from capitalistic yeah. slaughter. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> like, but don't you want to put a knife between your teeth and swing from one pirate ship to another? Yeah. And he's like, not really. So do you think So you think you just write it? Do you have it? I guess that that's the one thing I've found with authors is that like, the it's not that you need the deadline but it's more like if it's not official you don't treat it serious like you can well, that's my the, problem yeah. I, that's my i'm curious for you how you stoke the fires of your muse it's funny that we were talking about my parents clearly one of the psychological drives of my compulsion is growing up feeling like i wasn't particularly heard yeah so when i, I caught myself writing the first book and i was like going now they'll hear me because yeah. I'll put it in black and white. Yeah. That's not true. No, that's my, uh, mine is more <laughs> my, so I, I remember I can kind of th- even imagine we moved when I was in starting high school. And so like there was like the kitchen and then my room was sort of near the kitchen. And then like my parents and my sister's room and my dad's office were all on the, like, the other side of the house. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can remember like just like dinners and then being like, I'm going to go in my, like, like trying to explain something and no one was getting it. And it was like, I'm going to go in my room. And then you'll like, like, 
then I'll be able to explain what I think. Like, like, would you write it down or? I just remember thinking, like, you don't get me. I'm gonna. Like, I'm gonna go, go where I'm, I'm understood. I'm, I'm gonna go where my I'm, I'm gonna understood, and maybe <laughs> I'm gonna talk to my friends on the internet, and they'll understand. Yeah. Or I'm gonna write. Yeah, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna find some medium. I think the reason people become writers is because they. It is not super articulate, at ease, uh, confident people. Uh, I don't tend to find become writers. There has to be a sort of an introversion and a like a. I'm going to steal away and get this down. I'm going to get it right, and yeah. then you'll get it. Yeah, because you're not getting it as I'm trying to tell it to you. Well, your books have that bonsai tree level of yeah. excellence. Like yeah. you're trimming, it's the constant refining, and getting yes. yes, and they feel that way, but they don't totally. feel labored at all. Oh, thank you. And I, I love reading them. They're, and the new one, I'm, I'm not that far into it. But I'm loving what oh, I'm reading thanks. so far, and it, and I even said to you, even the layout and the way that you're deliberate about the size of the books and the layout yeah. of the books being consistent feels like the kid that goes, you know what, I'll be in my room. Yeah, yeah. but we have that need. Oh, yeah, but you're absolutely right. I have the next book. I, I don't want to say it's. It would be cocky for me to say it's up here somewhere. Yeah, but there's tons of notes like ready to go. There was a live tour where I was basically speaking the ideas, yeah. which was very helpful in that David Sedaris sort of way. I was like, oh, sure. this is tracking. Like They're, they're clapping. Yeah. They seem you to understand You have the, the, the general notes of it, yeah. And yet, I'm going to blame the, ba- the baby. Not blame the baby. That sounds negative. I'm going to say that with the baby, the morning time, which was my writing time, sure. I had it just this morning. I, I was rocking Lee to sleep. And I put her down and it was 8 a.m. And I checked in and I was like, I'm not that tired. I could, this is when I could. I have a movie that I want to write. I have this book that I want to write, all these different solo things that I could do. And instead, I took a two hour nap. Yeah. And I think maybe if I had the, I know if I had the deadline, I would have gone. I I got to fucking do this. I, so I wrote, I started one, I've done three, I think three, maybe two books since, since we had kids. Um, I think you may need to get a place. I don't know if you can do it here. You mean like you have to leave? Yeah. <laughs> That's what Larry David said. Yeah. He's like, you need to have somewhere you go. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Just to start, just to start the day. Yeah. Like, or to start, the, to signal the work, because you, you don't take a nap at work. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> um, but no, you're like, this is the office versus like, this is my, my house. Right. So uh, we've talked about that a lot. That's why houses have foyers. It's this transition space where yeah. you're supposed to leave the office in the foyer. Yeah. And then you come into the house to be your house self. Yeah. So we are dumb. We're silverbacks and, and monkeys watching Curious George. We need those like external uh, cues. Yeah. Now I work. Yeah. Like the, the bell calls the monks into worship or what you need that thing right and it's hard it's hard to do it at home so that's what you found after kids you were like i'm gonna get a i i I, i've i've had an office so like when we when i take our son into daycare usually i'll i drop him off and then i go to the the office or whatever but like i at least to start the project like once it's underway and then it's like i just have it's more workmanlike like it's like i have to do this or that or i'm filling in this section i can do that at home but like yeah, I do the the start. It's like when you're starting from scratch, all you're doing is like you have to you have to build up and accumulate the momentum, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's hard to do and like chaotic. And it's also it's unpleasant to do. So as much as we're talking about enjoying the process, like 
it genuinely is not that fun. Or, I don't well, find it I to be notice that, fun. that when stand-ups often have this this uh, fantasy. I've caught many stand-ups going like, if we just had a place where we all met, yeah, and it was like an office. I kind of had yeah. this in New York, but we didn't really do it this uh, litigiously. Is that the right word? Anyway, we didn't do it that seriously. But when I was doing Crashing, Judd would say, we're going to start at eight. And then all of these sort of, and I say this with love, I'm one of them, deadbeat comedians, (laughs) meaning kind of sleep-loving, Netflix-streaming bozos, (laughs) would be in their car at 6.30 in the morning to drive and like talk about comedy and make comedy. And I was like... Why can't we just do this for ourselves? And I was like, can't I just be my own Judd? And the problem is so many of us, myself included, a lot of the time can't be our own Judds. When I'm in my prime, I can be my own Judd and say, you get up. What if it's like we're back to the sauna? I could say Judd said we're starting at eight and then I go. But when I say I'd like to start at eight, I'm, I'm actually Val is not a taxing or demanding person. I'm not strong enough to be like, I got to go. Right. I'll stay. Yeah. And then the fantasy we're here in the back office was, I'll just write here and I'll go in. and But then you go in and like ba- the baby's kind of fussy. and You're not I can really see. in. You're like you're, half in, half out. You're yeah. half in, half out. Have you read The War of Art? Do you know Stephen Pressfield? No. I, I was, think yeah, someone else recommended that. that Stephen Pressfield's familiar. amazing. I mean, he, so it's like, you know, we think the art of war, but his is like the war of art. And he says that like, so we always set out to do something creatively or, or whatever and then he's like and then there's resistance and so he calls it capital r resistance mm. and so i find like at the beginning of a project the resistance is highest because uh. you're you want you're looking for excuses to not do it mm-hmm. so that's why deadlines matter because they force you to get over that initial resistance or routine helps you get over resistance or you know hey everyone's meeting at eight helps you get over the you, it's just that you could you could flake from the meetings, but the fact that you just like, just, I don't want Judd to be disappointed is right. just enough to get you over whatever right. the resistance is. So that, that I think about the idea of the resistance all the time and that like, I'm trying to make habits and choices and I'm just always thinking about it as this sort of thing that's lurking out there. Yeah. Th- trying to prevent you from doing the work that you want to do. When you do after your glorious Norman Rockwell bike ride with your son, yeah. who I have to imagine looks at you and sees Paul Bunyan. <laughs> Does he call you Papa? Are you on his shoulders as he picks an apple and gives it to one of the goats, his choice? Once you get to the computer, yeah. um, are where's the phone? What's your internet policy? So, What's I, your fuck it, I'm going to watch yeah. a YouTube policy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, may, I may check email on my computer before I start. But I find it different on the computer because I can. I just did the same yeah. thing. I think. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I just took Instagram off my phone. I was like, Yeah, it's way I better just to... on the on the computer. And because there's no messages. Well, that's the thing. I, if I need, that's all yeah. I do. Narcissism ringing. I look to the message. I just go on Instagram yeah. and read the message. I don't do it anymore. I uninstall it off my phone. Yeah. And if I have to post something, I install it. So I just put it, it on. Uh, my wife doesn't have the same problem as me. And so I just have it on. Her, I just have mine on her phone. You have. Your I just have Instagram. Instagram on her phone. Yeah. 
<laughs> so like, I mean, we're not, it's not, we're spending every minute together, so I can't use it all those times. Yeah. And then I can't use it when she's using it. So it's like, hey, can I borrow your phone You can for swap second? accounts? Is that a thing? Yeah, you can have multiple accounts on one, on uh, one account or whatever. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so I just do it that way. That's and then, cool. Yeah. Uh, that, but it still puts uh, all these... Uh, levels of deliberance. Yeah. Deliberance? Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Being deliberate. Deliberateness. Deliberateness. But yes. I want to say deliberate. Deliberance, because it sounds like deliverance. Yes. <laughs> uh, but but so, like, I usually, like, uh, I try to leave the phone not in the room that I'm writing in. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to or whatever. But, uh, like, so on, on the farm, like, uh, we have... Uh, we have like T-Mobile. Also, I guess this is brought to you by T-Mobile. But this is an you anti. You know what the T and T-Mobile stands for? No, Topo Chico. <laughs> so T-Mobile has terrible service where we live, <laughs> and we've like kind of kept it that like we've not switched. AT and T has better service where we live, uh-huh. but we've just uh, not not switched. Isn't that like fun? having bad service. So like basically outs like if you're not like you have Wi-Fi calling. So if you're not like near the router, you just don't get service oh wow and we have a landline so the land like whenever you know the phone rings it's always like a human i know know? there's certain movie theaters and comedy clubs that don't have service yeah the comedy cellar is one of them it's in the basement so people's phones typically don't work down there it's probably a better experience it's better for everybody yeah i was just at uh, denver comedy works they bag the phones wow and i was like this is cool next level and everyone yeah. we're up there and we're like why are these shows so good i was like because nobody's do they bag even the comedians phones? no that would oh. be pretty oh. hilarious yeah i would be like i have notes on here yeah. i opened for Chappelle at radio city and they wow. bag the phones there it sounds fancy i was one of the openers oh, okay. it's not nearly as fancy it was nice but yeah. it wasn't as fancy as it sounds and it was one night and they bagged the phones and they bagged my phone and it was so psychologically uh bad for me because i told them i was like i'm one of the performers yeah and they did not care and it really wow. kind of stole my confidence i was like but i'm on the show and they yeah. were like everyone's phone goes in a bag i was like if, if had dave been there yeah i would have been like look i have audio of my stand-up on here yeah. i want to listen to it. i have notes but it just went in a bag and i felt like someone, like I was a knight, and someone took my sword, wow. and then I, I still had to go in and fight it. A seven thousand person dragon, it that's, was not nice. Yeah, no, that's he, that was the, not Dave. That was the theater. One of the problems with routines that I think about is like, um, like, like because I I do talks. So it's not the same as comedy, but you know you're performing from an audience, so it's like okay, like I like to run before I do a talk, or and I like to not, like, I like have the system that I do. And then not sometimes... Eat? Is that what you're going to say? Yeah, I don't really eat, yeah. usually. Um, it depends on what time it is. But, like, like I kind of have a, an order. I like to do the stuff. I like to listen to music. and But every once in a while, I'd be like, you know, the talk's at 6.30 a.m. And it's like, I'm not going to get up at 4 to start this whole thing. Or, yeah. like, the flight was delayed. or blah. And then all of a sudden, you... the or like uh, the other day, like I like to shave before I talk. Uh, like I don't like to do it not having shaved. I like to feel clean. Mm-hmm. And like I, I couldn't find a razor, and it was like wasn't. I, it, and I was like, I had to go. Like, oh, I'm gonna do this the other way just to like. There's a I'm, I'm bouncing all over the place, but there's a, a line in meditations where Marcus Realist talks about practicing using the reins of the horse with your non-dominant hand Mm. like he just means like don't get used to doing it a certain way Mm -hmm. and one of the downsides of routines is that you're like you're like i 
this is how I prepare for a thing. It involves my phone. And then you've taken my phone away from me. That's right. And now I can't, like, it throws if I it. Had, yeah. if, if you had been there and gone, yeah. just practice writing with yeah. your other hand and, and, and said, yes, thank you yeah. to that moment. But my resistance created this little demon that was in my green room going, yeah. like, it's not going to be very good, is it? Why is he right. British? Yeah. But you're absolutely yeah. right. That's a shift in, in perspective. So, so I, I try to, like, it's like I like the routines and the benefit of the routine, but I also want to be able to just like brute force it if, you know. I love that. I also, Val, living with Val has been helpful for a billion reasons. One of them was that she, was, she said to me, maybe I said this on the show. I've said everything on the show. She goes, um, I've noticed that your routine is just changing whatever your routine is, like changing the routine. So an example would be like, currently I am not a pot smoking person. And then I swear, like, I'll smoke pot at a party. I get my pot on the outside yeah. now. Okay. I don't want to have it, like, yeah. in the house. But we were at a party, and I smoked pot. And the next day, I, I woke up, and I had a really creative morning. Yeah. And I was like, I think I should smoke pot. And she goes, Pete, you just think whatever you're doing, you should do the other thing. <laughs> and she's right. Yeah. If you're not exercising, exercise. If you are exercising, be lazy. If you're sleeping a lot, sleep a little. Just if, Costanza it? Costanza it. Yeah. Exactly. I also, what came to mind was I noticed that when I was leaving Denver, the last show is at like 10 or something. So we're done at like 11.30 and doing stand-up is like free cocaine. And you, you're you up until like 2.30 in the morning. My flight is at, I have to leave at 6. So I slept for roughly three hours and you think you're going to be miserable. And I actually noticed that like the part of me that's doubting myself and the part of me that's making excuses is actually too tired. And I can have like wow. a really great, day like sure. suddenly i'm replying to yeah. emails i don't even understand what i was worried about like what's the big deal yeah this guy wants to do sure i'm available like yeah that that part got tired oh interesting yeah. eckhart Tolle actually said that he was like sometimes people are more present when they're tired because they don't have the energy to manufacture all of these narratives that are robbing themselves of the richness of the moment or they don't or you know there's that idea of willful will like you're like the the part of you that's like con- trying to control things yeah and then that goes away because you're tired and you're like whatever that's right yeah that's what david nickturn said to me i said to him we were in new york and i was like I get so tired of trying to be here now. It's so yeah. tired. And he was like, he explained it to me as the fourth moment, which which stuck, stood out as a as a good title for something. Yeah. I was like, that's a good title, the fourth moment. So there's the present, the past, and the future. And he's like, the fourth moment is like, not even, when you say be here now, there's still someone telling someone sure. to be here now. And then there's like the surrender, there's the acquiescence. Where The way he put it, which really stuck with me, was he's like, you're making it much harder than it actually is. Like thinking about being present is exhausting. Yeah. Being present is actually pretty natural and requires less effort than sometimes we think it does. Yeah. We think we have to yeah. carry around the mantras and remember this and that. And then when I left the Eckhart Tolle thing, I was like, I put it on the on the cover of my phone with a picture of Leela. I was like, whatever you feel use that as a reminder to be present. Meaning if you feel frustrated, which I always will, or feel annoyed, or somebody's haircut, or somebody somebody in a movie is breathing too heavily next to me, that happened. Use that as the reminder. I was like, wouldn't it be great if there was an app that just reminded you to be present? Well, that's annoying. Yeah. There is an app. It's life. Everything that comes at you can either be resisted, or it can be used like almost like Tai Chi in a way to like, can yeah. I alchemize this into a reminder that this is my life? Yeah. 
fucking A. I like it. <laughs> so you write, is it like morning pages style or are you, are you trying to? I do to- it in a journal. I have a couple different ones that I use. And then. This is longhand. Yeah, always longhand for the journals, not for books. Books are on the computer. But uh, do you find that you're more thoughtful when you're longhanding because it's less diarrhea tickety type? Um, I think to- it's I for me it's more like you could do it on your phone, you could do it on the computer, but then there's that's where the the technological distractions are. Right. So, I think I said that maybe last time we did. I was like, it's a wonder we get anything done. No, I said this in an interview with Playboy. I was like, it's a wonder that we were able to write a book or an email, yeah. considering that we write our books and our emails on pornography machines. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always I tell people that like when they're making things, it's like you pornography is a click away for people. So the idea that you can get away with like phoning it in or like uh, you know not doing the promo side of things or like do you know what I mean? Nobody cares. Like they have literally unlimited amounts of high definition pornography <laughs> they can buy drugs yeah you know like think yeah. about all the things you can do on the computer why would i want to read your article or watch your video like it better be really fucking good yeah there better be some yeah high definition pornography in <laughs> yeah <there. laughs> yeah so so people who just sort of phone it in or sort of self-indulgent with what they make uh, to me it's like sort of profoundly arrogant you mean when you make stuff, you're keeping in mind the competition? I'm keeping in, yeah, I'm keeping in mind that it's like sort of a vicious, uh, it's a street fight for attention. That's when, when Kumail and I first started middling, which is the, the second comedian in a three person show that does 20 to 30 minutes. We were like, oh, fuck, we're taking the slot from all the other middles we knew. Yeah. And the best middle at the time, he's still a great comedian, is John Roy. And Kumail was like, you're taking John Roy's slot, meaning. You have to kill as hard as John Roy, and that was yeah. actually very motivating. Yeah. So you're saying when you're writing, you're thinking, how am I going to give somebody something that's as value, valuable to them as being able to watch the new trailer for the next Avengers clusterfuck? Yeah. Yeah, like I, I gave a talk to a, an NFL team uh, in training camp this year, and I was talking to a, another author who'd spoken to a bunch of teams. He was like, he was like they will not laugh. They will not like seem like they are engaged. He was like, but if you can give them one thing they can use, mm. like they'll be grateful. And I was like, oh, that's great advice. You, you said, know, it's like, yeah. So you just okay. What's what are like? It just it was like this isn't what I want to say. This isn't like my art. This is like I'm gonna. Th- what do I have that could actually help you right now in mm. what you're doing? Right, right. That's very interesting. I think I saw it. I saw you talk to a NFL team. Yeah, I talked to two this year. It was on the YouTubers. I think this was the Browns. I think the Browns one is the one that's on the internet. Okay. Yeah. But you were actually talking about how the head coach would sit in the front and take notes. Yeah. Yeah. And you were like, that is, what is, I actually wrote it down, the humble, confident leader that we have yeah. so few examples of. Sure. We want the guy. I actually thought about it. I was like, if I went to a talk, it was beautifully challenging for me. Where somebody was going to be like, the secrets of stand-up comedy. Yeah. Would you actually listen or would you think you know? I think, yeah. well, I, I have a pretty good look at my ego. He would say, sit in the front, no notes, and spread out. Like man spread. Okay. <laughs> like, to make yourself felt? Like, like sit like Don Draper, yeah. smoking a cigarette. And obviously none of this is real. This was just a flash in my mind. I was like, you have to transmit in some way. I don't need this shit. But the truth is, and this is the beginner's mind of the Buddhists, and this is what you're saying about the humble confident, the good coach 
or team owner or whatever it is sits in the front with yeah. a notebook so that this, we the, don't see. The coach I was talking about is Nick Saban, who's the head coach at Alabama. Like I know uh, who Nick Saban. I'm just gr- kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't he know is sports. unquestionably the greatest living coach oh, really? in the history of now not I just like college sports, but maybe all of sports. Like he's like he's he's he he and Bill Belichick have worked together before, but he is the Bill Belichick of college football. Oh, wow. Like uh they're just waiting for him to retire to build the statue of him. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> like that's how every time is. he turns around there's a sculptor <laughs> trying to get his chin right. Yeah, he's he's the best, right? Yeah. And he sat in the front row and he took notes and he asked the first question. It was like I don't think it was because my talk was so good. It's that I think he was, one, trying to model what he wanted them to do. And then also, like, I think he was genuinely interested. Right. Um, well, you had that Emerson quote. He's like, every man is a master in something. Yeah. And I'm, it's my, I'm butchering yeah. it, but it's like my job to figure that out and learn from them. Yeah. So you can meet yeah. what you think is a country bumpkin. Yeah. But that bumpkin knows how to find East by looking at the clouds or whatever yeah. it is. Well, the Epictetus one is, is uh, he's one of the Stokes. He says, it's impossible to learn that which you think you already know. Right. So you, go, you would go into the stand-up comedy thing and be like, I'm a pro. How could you teach me anything? Right. And you're right. He can't teach you anything. That's right. You know? And that's fucking dangerous. Yeah. That's the Zen story of the, of the student that goes to the great master and he says, I've seen every master. I've been to 30 masters, but they all say that you're the guy. So I've been studying for 10 years and now I'm finally with you. And the master says, let's have some tea first. And he puts the cup of tea and he starts pouring it and he lets it overflow. And he goes, what are you doing? He's like, how can I put tea in something that's already full? That's it. You'd be better off being just like a blank slate. That story was in the original intro of Ego's Enemy. I love that story. Really? Yeah. We ended up having to cut it. You know who I heard that story from? Jerry Seinfeld told that story. Really? Pre-podcast, there was a series of CDs that I bought the day they came out called On Comedy. There's a Carlin one, there's a Carson one, there's a Seinfeld one. This is way before podcast. Yeah. I was like, you mean there's an hour of, just him, of talking. him talking? Wow. And he tells that story as an example of how Zen is funny. Yeah. And he's like, that's a yeah. funny story. It and is funny. Like, it is. It's yeah. kind of like a fuck you. It's yeah. like, I'm going to pour your tea. Yeah. And it's overflowing like succession. <laughs> there's that moment in succession. Great show. Anyway. Yeah. Into it beginner's mind what did yeah. you teach the browns what was what do you think was the one thing that what did i talk about because i'm sure people are like i'm i'm realizing as i'm talking I'm like i'm with ryan holiday you have these little nugs what's a sweet nug that you feel like has given value to your life whether or not you sh- shared it well, with i read the it there was an article about the talk after so i sort of it was interesting you you very rarely get to like hear what people thought of it so um i talked about this thing um, this idea of like an inner scorecard versus an outer scorecard, which you talk about in the ego book. We, we talked a, a lot about that, that like, you know, so often we sort of associate success with these like external metrics, but the problem is the external metrics are not only uh, uh, usually somewhat superficial, but like often very arbitrary. Um, so like uh, we talked about this last time I was here, but like, so I'll find out tomorrow evening uh, where, if the new book hits the list like Mm -hmm. and so do i want that do am i like i know what uh, here's i know what i know what's in the book i know how many copies it sold but you could very easily sit here and go like well i won't know whether it's a success until wednesday evening right which is such bullshit um especially if you think about 
like one, I know how the criteria works, so I don't. I know it's well. You could be like me and go, my book didn't make the list, and they were like, it's because Howard Stern put out a book, yeah, and people usually only buy one book. Like, and you're in that. That's what that's what somebody told me. I don't. I don't even know if that's true. But very quickly, people will tell you the book list is important, and then if you yeah. don't make it, they'll tell you why it's not important. <laughs> well, it's just it's it's not at all like obje- nice. it's not all objective. So like, okay, imagine though you've you've written nine books, and I think eight of them, almost all of them, have objectively sold enough to hit the list at multiple points, mm-hmm. but they haven't, mm. right? Because these like how many people put definitely had the best music video of the year, or the best comedic performance, or the best you know costume design. And then for whatever reason, the committee picked so and so, right? So, so uh, I think one of the thi- one of the things I talked about and I think about a lot is it's like, look, like uh, you control the work, you know, you control the, the what you you know what you put into it. You control uh, you you can you can come up with an internal metric of success. Uh, or you can put it on the outside. So one of the interesting things about Nick Saban actually is, is he's talked about this is like the team will be winning and he'll he'll be like you'll, they'll show him on the sidelines and be like scowling and mm. they're like he's never happy and he's like that's not what it is at all. It's that like winning is not determining whether we're having a good game or not. Fucking a. Like it, it's it's like you're not doing what we what we have trained all week to do. Right. You know what I mean? You're like he's basically you're you're luck. It's luck that you're winning this game. I was when you were booked on this podcast. I couldn't wait to tell you this quote. I'm glad it came okay. up. It's not exactly on the money, but I think you're going to enjoy it. It's it's like it's either Taoist or Zen or Buddhist. Some sage. Yeah. He says the task is one tenth of the task, completing yeah. the task. He goes nine tenths is remaining in your center, like staying center. Oh. Yeah, sure. If you think you're going to lose your center and your sense of peace and your sense of identity and being and groundedness, then forfeit the test because the only game in town is staying grounded and centered. Like, have you you golfed at all? No. Like, when you golf, the surest way you can mess up your shot is to look up and see where the ball went. Wow. You have to, like, you you have to deliberately continue looking at the ground until well after the ball has left your club. No shit. Because it just the whole process of going jerks the club and it messes it all up. What a great and so, analogy. Like one of the one of the interesting things about this launch, all launches are busy, but like I've been so much busier on this one and I've been like away so like I got usually like you'd be spending the moments like between interviews being like, well, how's it doing on Amazon? Mm. But I'm like, no, I want to like FaceTime my kids or I want to mm. read a book or I just want to do nothing. Paul Bunyan. <laughs> Hi son. Where's your ox? <laughs> <All right. laughs> it's, it's a nice so, bit. <laughs> so, so I just like, haven't, I've been totally, it's not that I'm indifferent. I'm just vaguely unaware of what's happening. You're still looking down. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been, it's been great. That's awesome. I think I hear what you're saying about inner scorecord, outer scorecord, yes. scorecard. Because I was at, again, I just got home from Denver, and it was Friday, and late Friday is typically the bad show, although I feel like it's shifted. I actually said to Laura Bites, my, the woman who was opening with for me, I was like, I think it's changed. I think audiences have gotten the memo that late Friday used to be the worst show, and I almost feel an oh. energy where they're trying to be great. It ended up being the best yeah. show of the weekend by certain metrics. Um, certainly Saturday was like, livelier but i really like the late friday but i'm backstage and it was a conan sponsored tour so my friend aaron who works with conan was there and i was i i just i actually get a lot of 
value out of thinking that the show's going to be bad. Yeah. Thinking the show's going to be good doesn't really serve me, but yeah. being like, I feel like they're tired. Yeah. I'm listening to the MC and I'm like, I just don't know about are this Are you managing crowd. expectations or are you actively, is it like... I think it's the first... Or yeah. you're doing work now, like, are you? Com- is it actually that compensating for the fact that you think they're not going to be good makes you work harder? It's if I, it's managing expectations where I go, I feel like it's going to be bad, and then when I, it makes me pace up a little bit, it brings me yeah. into a there's a vital game being played. But I really thought it was going to probably be bad. And the tricky thing about doing two shows in a night, and this is says a lot about life in general, is you have something to compare it to. Yeah, sure. The second time you go yeah. to Disneyland is is going to be dangerous because yeah. you're going to be comparing it to the first time. So you're doing that in a night. You're having these two pretty substantial adrenalizing things yeah. happen back to back. So I'm just like, I think this is going to be bad. And it ended up being great. But anyway, Aaron said to me, he goes, what do you do when you think it's going to be bad? And I was surprised that I, I had an answer. I hadn't articulated it in a while. I was like, the game becomes not killing. Usually yeah. the game is killing. The game becomes not letting them scare me. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. That was my internal sure. scorecard. When you control that, you don't control whether they laugh or not. That's right. Yeah. The win is I don't want my lower back to sweat. Yeah. And I've had shows where I've gotten off and it wasn't great, but I, I didn't sweat. You stayed inside. Exactly. Yeah. But I've also had shows where I did great, but I got off and I was sweaty. And yeah. I have certain bits where I hold up my hands and I could tell they were shaking a little bit. That's the nine-tenths thing where I was like, I might have gotten yeah. the laughs. That's the coach on the side. I'm scowling even though I'm winning because I'm like, the only thing I want to do is give a little bit of my presence to these people. And instead, maybe I was just kind of like fruit ninjing the show and slicing watermelons. Yeah. Well, it, like, so the Browns are, are favored to win their division. And so uh, one of the things I was talking about is like, there's there's a way you could win your division and it'd be totally pathetic and shitty. Mm. And then there's ways where you could not even come close, but it could be a sort of a profoundly inspiring, amazing season. That's, Do you know what I mean? So like, interesting. Yeah. So the, like, uh, the problem is we just sort of, we use these external results as a, as a sort of, like obviously because we got X, it was a success. Right. And there's clearly a lot. Like one of the interesting things about books that like in some ways, like, cause I've, I really like sports and, and it's been cool to sort of see the books go through there and you get to meet all these people who are like unquestionably the best at what they do. But I, I and so I somewhat feel jealous of the like clear win loss record of mm-hmm. sports. You Imagine know? if someone was keeping numbers on, not runs batted in, but yeah. Ryan's version of like Internet Explorer closed. <laughs> like yeah, you're, yeah. Like a it's just like browser. like they know they know like they know whether it was a good season or a bad season. There's batting averages. That's There's right. like all this. It's so much clearer. We had the stats. Ryan wanted yeah. a donut, and he donuts declined. Yeah, you know he had twenty two donuts to climb this season. <laughs> but 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 writing, I was thinking. Okay, so here's a here's a donut bit. I'm not I'm not good at this, but I was thinking like. Okay, so it used to be you were nice if you brought donuts to work, and now I feel like if you brought donuts to work, it's, it's a great. Premise. It's rude. That's a great premise. <laughs> like, you're like, fuck you. Why did you bring donuts? That's to work? really funny. I that reminds me of how I feel like the American flag can somehow has also changed in yeah. optics now. Yeah, yeah. It used to be I'd see, and I'm like, what wholesome for sweet you. people live now, here. And now I'm like, are you? There's some white supremacists. Yeah, in there. I, I honestly, yeah. it's my paranoia. I see a flag and I go. 
are you a white supremacist? <laughs> yeah. That's silly. Right. There's a lot of country loving people that are not that way, but it's gone through an optics change similar to donuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what, what the fuck is your problem? Yeah, That's a good te- bet. You're tempting all of us. This is so, it was selfish of you to, to lack the self-control to not bring in donuts. I would think that bit is either a bit, I don't know how it would do on its own feet, but in a larger bit of things where that you flipped. have an aside where you go like, it's like how bringing donuts used to be nice, and now you yes. bring donuts, and you're like, "Fuck you, man!" Like that—that's good. It'll work. Um, but but so writing, it's like, what is success as writing? Right? Like, is is selling the most books make you the best writer? Of course not. Right? Yeah. Like, where else the Fifty Shades of Grey lady is like the best writer? Of all that's time. right. Right. And but then the other thing I see writers do is there's like sort of I don't want to call them failed fiction writers, but there's fiction writers who go like. They nobody reads their shit, but they can sit there and feel superior to other people. Do you right, know what I mean? Right. Um, like I see it, even writing about ancient philosophy. There's other writers that talk about this, but like they and I can tell in some of their fans, it's like, oh, we're better. They sure they don't reach as many people, but that's right. because they're pure. You know, yeah, this there's is like, a stand up. We the character on Crashing, uh, Jason, played by Dove Davidoff, used to say, "Too hot for TV." And that was him saying, like, I'm not on TV because I'm too real. Yes. And yes. the joke was like, is it because right. you're too real? So there is that. That yeah. weird superiority can also feed your your demon. Yeah. So it's like, what is, and, and, and is like, is success having critical success? Or is it making lots of money? You know, like, it's, right. it's in, a, in a weird way, it's harder because there is no clear definition. But in a better way, it's easier because you can go, this is my lane. This is where it's rolled. This is for what I do, for the kind of things that I want to be, blah, blah, blah. Chances out, this is sort of like the bracket in which success is for me. Right. That goes back to the farm dream. We're already at the farm. Yeah. This is our farm. And you go like, it's okay. I don't need literal goats. We can have emotional goats. Yes. Although I would would definitely recommend the goats. I I remember Donkeys are better than goats. Definitely go on the... Also bought a donkey on Craigslist. Oh, wow. Saddest thing ever if you ever bought a donkey from a man liquidating his petting zoo um wow uh but uh, that sounds like he's literally boiling the animals but i know what you meant so get so get this so my (laughs) wife and i we had uh a petting zoo at our at our wedding um (laughs) and it was awesome and so then later we decided we wanted to get a donkey and so we this guy's telling us donkey and christmas we went out and got it it was the guy from the petting zoo at our wedding and we just barely missed having the ponies that were at the wedding. Like he had just sold them to someone else. Oh, we could have got the ponies got from wedding our wedding. Ponies. Yeah. Your Mazel Tov ponies. Yes. The ones that stepped on the glass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't even know. Are you Jewish? No. But you get it. <laughs> they were not involved. They were not too involved in the wedding. They were there. <laughs> That's like Kristen Schaal at her wedding had llamas. Yeah, so we, we had that. It was awesome. People loved it. And uh, but, anyways, we had yeah. the don- donkeys. Even sweeter and better than I remembered than, what than I was going to say. Uh, it came back. I don't know why, and it's not even that great of a point. But I was saying, I'm like a goat because Val was out last night, and as as much work as I do about like I really, it's another 
quote that Eckhart Tolle uses. He says, all of man's problems stem from the fact that he can't sit alone in a room. That's Isn't that Pascal. in your book? Yeah, that's Pascal. It's in your book. Mm-hmm. Dude, when I was reading your book, yeah. I was like, fucking Eckhart, Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. There's all this great yeah. overlap, which is one of the great joys of my life is seeing that people sure. are finding the same truths. So Pascal said... That's, to me, that's why I, I, I love the research side of writing and then discovering those things. That's, yeah. that's what gets me more excited than anything. And I have the lazier version of that because I'm just reading recreationally yeah. and I'm like, Eckhart Tolle's quoting Marcus Aurelius and Pascal and Ryan Holiday, who's in a different lane than Eckhart. You seem to be doing... Talking about ego and stillness are very spiritual things, but yeah. you're not like known as a overtly your your books are not in the spiritual yeah. self-help section yeah they're in the business section for some reason isn't that funny yeah you don't know you can't get away though because you in yeah. the same way that my book my book is funny but my next one will be less of a memoir it'll just be like okay now that you're here can we just talk about this shit yeah. like for real yeah and it'll still be in the humor section well <laughs> Well, so, and it is funny. Because like, I say balls. These things can bother you. And then I, w- I was thinking about that with my books. And then it was like, I was like, you know, why aren't the indies like supporting the book more? You know, like I go into these stores and they're never there. Mm. Meanwhile, these other books that don't sell as well are there. And then I, I finally, I, was, I had my agent and I was like, give me a breakdown of like where all my sales come from. Mm. And it was like 85% of them were on Amazon. And I was like, why am I even sweating this? This is like one, per- yeah. this is like, maybe a couple hundred copies a year and I'm like feeling like this injustice is being done to me. I could just do one thing and sell that many more copies on Amazon. But it's, it's the, the, you see it and you, you you almost want to perceive it as a slight. I I think it was you that told me that I was like, Oh, I'm going to write a book and I'm excited because I'll see it in airports. And you're like, no, you won't. Yeah. (laughs) You're not going to see it at an airport. Well, you—that's the thing. You could, if you wanted to, right? Is it, is it worth twenty thousand dollars? You could also be on the list if you wanted to. Yes, they it, told me it, that that there's is that worth. Uh, is it worth two hundred thousand dollars to you? And like the thing is, I've met a lot of people who it is, and they do it. That makes and, me sad. Um, I wonder how they feel afterwards. That's the data I want. Here's so what I think. So a certain percentage of them, it's like if I'm talking to someone who's you know a billionaire i'm like just do it like what do you care you know what i mean like um but what i here's what i think happens this is how the mind works they pay for it they know they're paying for it and then as it recedes from view Mm -hmm. they're they just give themselves the credit for it oh like they forget yeah like you think it's possible to go on a date with a sex worker and that and it's such a great date that at the end you're like i think Brittany really liked me yeah (laughs) Well, like, so... Not a big kisser, Brittany. <laughs> That's not putting sex work down. I'm just saying, typically, there's no smooching. No, but in I, my I, I, think, I think... In my direct sex work experience. I'm just kidding. Because I think what we do is we tell ourselves, like... We, we just, we slowly round the edges off our stories. And that's why people go, oh, memory's deceptive. And it's like, sort of, but it's more just like, as you've processed it, you've taken shortcuts mm. as you've gone... That's right. Your brain is. I don't want to go the long way around the barn. I'm just going to say. I think that's what happened to Brian Williams. You know, Brian Williams got in trouble like several years ago. He told that story about. I think it was like he told the story, and then he was like, "Well, I got to make it interesting." These people were, and then he just got tired of being like. It didn't hit my helicopter. It hit the other helicopter. That's interesting. And then over time, you're just like. Well, do you know Steve Ranazizi, the comedian who he got there was like a flare up because he said he was in the World Trade Center. 
It's a similar he's situation. From, uh, he was on, uh, what's it called? The, the League. League. Yeah. He's on The League. He's at The Comedy Works, actually. It's, I think that's why I'm thinking of him is because his slide would come up. And it was funny because it comes up and I think a lot of people that are in comedy will go, oh, there's Steve. Yeah. Steve's a very sweet guy. I, I've, I've met him a handful of times, very nice guy. And you go, there's that controversy, like yeah. sort of tied to him in the way that Brian Williams has the yeah. same sort of thing. But if I'm hearing you correctly, you think that people... Like I loved on Louie, controversy noted, that he said to Dane Cook, I don't think you stole my material. I think you're a rocket ship. And so many things get sucked into your yeah. afterburner yeah. that you just unconsciously sort of do whatever you want. I think yeah, I, th- I think that's what ego does. And I think it's also just laziness. Like so, for me, people will go like you know Ryan Holland, a New York Times bestselling author, and it's like for, it hasn't happened. Am I? Re- how many times am I? How many times am I obligated as a human being to say it's not to be like no? Technically, it was these bestseller lists. Wow, you know what I mean. So I think I I don't know. I just have some empathy for for the Brian Williams. Like, yep, thanks for t- having me. Totally. Yeah, I think I think I think it's just like, what do you expect? Like, we expect some sort of moral perfection of from people that we would right. never hold ourselves to. That's true. It's like this guy has. Have you ever been on a television show? This guy has like 42 seconds to tell the most complicated story of his life. He's now told it 70 times. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't, like it's, it's like a game of telephone with yourself. That's interesting. Yeah. We're not really interested in the, uh, the nuances. Yeah. Somebody, I forget who it was. It might've been Val. Somebody said, everybody wants forgiveness, but nobody wants to forgive. Yeah. So it is sort totally. of like we're going around, we're back at where we started. We know what everybody wants, but we withhold it. Yeah. Because it's more salacious to like burn people alive. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Because we're for, bored. For the or, most, like, because we often, hate ourselves. Oftentimes for like the most meaningless things. Like in light of Me Too, doesn't seem a bit absurd that we're so hard on Brian Williams. Yeah, that's interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there was a... There's always sort of a a desire, I guess, to scandalize. Yeah. I, but obviously, these the 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 Me Too thing is a helpful and enlightening thing. Yeah, and I'm just saying, like the that was, the Brian Williams thing was like five years ago. Let's say, yeah, a bunch of other people in the news who were very guilty of Me Too things. Yeah. They we're they had another five like, years. Yeah, they, yeah, they had another five years. But it's like we got we got Brian. We took Brian Williams down first. Yeah, that's like, interesting. Like so, we we get super mad about stuff. Like I I have a suspicion that a lot of the sort of scandals that are going on now, some me too, some not. A lot of it is like just imp- projected impotence about Trump. It's like we can't take well, that, that guy Rob, down. That was Rob Bell's theory. Oh, really? Yeah, he said that to me, and I've said that many times on the show. Is that I get started with um, grab them by the P, yeah. and we were like, we got to get this fucking grab them by the P guy. We can't, and then he was like, well, we'll govern ourselves. Yeah, I think that's part of it. But I mean, more like so. So with Trump, yeah, this guy is completely shameless. Like, so the 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 shame thing isn't working, which should work. And so we're so mad about that that we're like being extra unmerciful to people who at least have some moral compass or conscience oh, I see. do you know what i mean yeah. so like we're it, it's like we're so mad at this guy and it doesn't seem that to be pulled working. the bow back for the bowstring further so yes, the arrow is shooting else. with a little bit more fury yeah yeah because of the frustration yeah that it just failed so blindly yes yeah that keeps happening i don't read a lot of news but i'll i'll go once maybe a day onto a site and just see what's happening and no matter what it says i think the last thing i read was like federal judge 
uh, orders Trump to this, this, and you're like, anyone else? Yeah. I would be like, holy shit. Yeah. It doesn't, the headline could be like, they're impeaching him today. And I'd just be like, we'll see. <laughs> like, I feel like he's going to come in with a, some donuts and everyone's going to be like, donuts. I, I don't know. Uh, I feel like, I think I wrote about this, but like, uh, he, you know how we, we've overprescribed antibiotics uh, as a society. So like bio- antibiotics don't work as well anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, pe- or people get antibiotics and they take half of them. And then they, so it's created all these like super bugs, these like sort of, uh, wait, should you take half of them? No, no. If you get antibiotics, you have to take the whole thing. You can't just like take oh, a, a little. Um, and so what, what we've, or, and then what doctors do is like, Oh, you got this here, take some antibiotics. And, and so by over prescribing them, we've created, uh, uh, antibiotic resistant, uh, because like, we've been giving the bugs bacteria. all this, like yeah. all these trials. Yes, exactly. <laughs> We're uh, giving them flu shots, basically. Yeah, I, like I, here's I, a little of your enemy. I, I feel like Trump is like a super bug. Yeah, I hear that. That's interesting. He's like all because we could just keep trying the same thing. That's it's like, well, we impeach Clinton for X. Why isn't it working? Or you yeah. know, like this, like just over oh, and over. That's this funny. is not and, and the idea. You got to finish the Z pack, man. Yeah. We just can't. We can't come up with a new way. We're just trying the same thing over and over again. That's interesting. That reminds me of media too. It kind of goes back to creativity. Was the idea that so many people, and this goes back to my brief experiment trying to think of a great title. So many times we're just chasing what already worked. Do you have a great title? By the, did, did you come up with a great? I could run and buy you. It might be interesting. I don't have the great like. I feel like the subtle art of not giving a fuck could have been a bad book and still done so, okay. I don't know, but I don't know the book business. So Mark has a huge audience, so that book was going to sell regardless. No matter what, I think the I just feel like you see it on the shelf and you're like, I want that book. But so here's it's a th- funny gift too. Like, hey Diane, you're a panicky mess. <laughs> I I, th- I think so. I think that's part of it. But it, it it's I'm not, wrong. Tell me, please no, no, tell it's, me a, how it's, I'm wrong. it's it's not. I that, really feel wrong in that. Like, there's equally a case where that book doesn't sell and then the publisher's like it was the packaging and the title you know right. there's like a nobody knows anything Buddy, we make up so right. theories after the fact there were these comedians when i was in new york that got fired for doing this very distasteful remember the tsunami in thailand and they did this song parody of it it was horrible yeah and they were all passing the buck all the comedians that were sort of ousted for it yeah and fired for it from the radio and they were like it wasn't our idea the producers yeah. told us that they kept it and i remember being like these poor guys and someone was like dude if it worked that i'll be like it was my idea sure. yeah i wrote it it yeah. was my idea to be really distasteful <laughs> like that's yeah. exactly that's a good thing to remember if it hadn't worked that say it had fuck in the title you can't sell a book to nanas and papas with fuck in the title you right. idiot right so right. you're uh, this is beautiful so so i think there's that i think um so i think he took a risk and i think it worked and so uh, it now seems like a foregone conclusion, but I don't think it was. You know, it's fun. I was in a bookstore recently and saw there's another book called um, "The Art of Not Giving a Fuck" or something. Yeah, there's a whole now. Now that it's worked, everyone in public, I think the, it the, predates his. The rule, it's not to say that he stole it. I'm saying it. It's not the title. Like, well, the rule was like it used that. to be like you don't put curse words in titles because retailers won't support it. Right, but as soon as you have one that sells millions of copies, of course they do support it. So I think right. he took a risk and it worked. But then the other thing about that, I think, I think that book would have sold well regardless because Mark's a great writer. It's a good book and he has a big audience. But I think that book came out right around the election, 
like mm-hmm. after the election, I and think we the wanted, gas, we, we desperately wanted to someone yeah. to explain to us why we didn't have to give a fuck. But I think it's timeless advice, and but the real power in I think great comedy and movies and writing is when timelessness and timeliness intersect. Yeah, and I think that's that book is like the reason that book's not just a hit, but it's like a monstrous hit is the alignment of. Those I completely two agree. We needed something, and the timing, yeah, in a way that he probably couldn't even planned because of deadlines and release dates. Yeah, when it was done. They they merged like he would have yeah. been a Machiavellian genius if he was like Trump's going to win and people are going to be panicking yeah, like this not. is when the books yeah. like that's a, I don't yeah. think you could do that no so he had some good fortune and a risk and all this well I remember I I was sitting with Mark in Austin and he was like thinking about doing a book like he like that's the other thing he was like I'm not sure you know and we were yeah. just I was like I know I think you should and he ended up doing it not because of my advice but he just was like yeah it it's it's always cool when you see something happen and then then it, it's, you can see the stories people make up after and you're like, that's not how it went at all. You're like, really helping me call. Because yeah. the, the bullshit I call, when they go like, I, I, I understand that certain streaming services have reasons to believe what they believe. And my part as a human artist is always going to be the go, I don't necessarily want to just chase what's trending. Yeah. Like when they go like, you know, videos with women that are vaping while they interview cats are hot. And yeah. I'm like, we're dreaming. Yeah. You're, you're talking about, I, I mean, creativity is a dream. Yeah. It's stillness. It's something. What, what I said in the talk was, I was like, we're kids with flashlights reading comic books after our bedtime. Like, let's not forget the human heartbeat, yeah. ethereal, magical nature of what we're doing. It can't just be, we see what happens. I'm not putting this show down, but like they had the the crafting version of Great British Bake Off is one of yeah. these anomalies that I also think coincides with the Trump administration because yeah. we were like, wouldn't it be nice if everyone was polite and just eating sweet puffs, <laughs> right? Sure. In a well-lit, yeah. it looks like the set of Teletubbies, but yeah. it's real. Yeah. And then... It's and, different. Uh, it's a little exotic. And, exactly. Yeah. It's a little yeah. bit of a vacation. I love Nick Offerman and I love Amy Poehler and I liked their show. I'm not saying, but it didn't exactly explode, but it was just going like, look, this is people being nice and people uh, not uh, building things and having pride and there's no prize. They sort of, they, they definitely took a, no- a note from that show. And that is sometimes what happens when we just copy what's working as opposed to just keep keep dreaming keep dreaming well and this is where that inner scorecard thing no comes disrespect in. to that show i can't be clear about well i was just gonna that. say i think one of the reasons the inner scorecard thing happened is it's so important because what also happens is like maybe actually those two things were developed totally independently and were not inspired mm. by each other and then one came the second one came out after the first one was a success and then it seemed like they were too similar and that you know what i mean yeah, like, that's right so like in in still you never know that's right yeah in stillness i i mean i started writing the book in 2016 2017 and i really fell down this rabbit hole with mr rogers and i was like oh this is so great nobody knows about this and then like as i'm writing i'm His i'm book, having to buy the these i'm having to buy these obscure like books, self-published books written by his friends that have sold like 30 <laughs> copies. And I'm, and I, I found all this awesome stuff. And then it's like, Tom Hanks is going to play Mr. Rogers in a movie. Here's a prize winning documentary about it. Here's a best selling book. And so it could like, you can always read, you could go like, Oh, he's cashing in it's on Mr. Rogers. And, and it's like, yeah. no, actually one piece of event, one random event outside your control totally changes 
the entire right. context in which something is looked at. Right. Deep Impact might have been written before Armageddon. Yeah, you don't know. But, but Armageddon came out right. a few months earlier. And so that's really why you have to, like you have to have really fucking liked making deep impact right you know like you have to i make if you're making this movie because you think you're going to be first to market and it's going to make you rich or if you're making this movie because you think didn't blah, you say blah, that blah, you're blah. like just go sell stocks or whatever of course yeah just if you I, want to be rich go be yeah. a stockbroker yeah the, becoming a comedian or a writer is like the worst possible way to make money it's not yeah. that you can't it's just the odds of like the average salary of a writer is like probably like poverty level. Right. So the idea that you picked it to make money is ridiculous. I'd also like to see the stats on like people that got into comedy to get rich, how long they made it. Yeah. I don't mean how m- yeah. much success they had. I mean, I'm actually being a little bit more critical and saying, when did they quit? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and, and also though, like, did they, even if some of them were really successful, like they did get the money they wanted. Yeah. Did they really do like awesome stuff? Yeah. Or to your be- buy your way onto the bestseller list at night, do they lie down and feel satisfied? Yeah. Or do they just feel like I just robbed a bank? I guess some people don't care. Yeah. You know, like, I think cares? they don't, or the, the money doesn't matter to them and it's like an extra thing. And so, yeah. Um, but I think what they thought was going to happen, they bought, they bought their way on. And they thought they were going to get a fucking parade. Yeah. And nobody cared. It's a tiny framed print on their wall. And it sold them precisely zero more copies. And this is what I really find. That was the, like, you only have so much energy to put into promotion, to put in whatever. That's where you put the bulk, you put the bulk of your effort into doing this thing that all, that's only real impact was your ego. What could you have done with $200,000 or 200 hours yeah. or whatever what could you have done like you you could have just given 10,000 copies away and if the book was good it probably have spread from there you know what i mean like you, yeah so yeah. i cuz cuz i've done marketing for so many different authors over the years like it's it's always like hey why didn't you write that article i told you you should write well i was busy doing right this vanity thing right and you only have a finite amount of reason. Yeah. I remember when we were doing Crashing, Mike Birbiglia was like, he's a really smart guy. And he was like, you should rent an apartment in New York and say you're giving it to struggling comedians to live there. That would be a really good marketing idea. Isn't it a good yeah. marketing you idea? didn't do it? Well, I was working 19 hours a day and like I was yeah. so thin. I couldn't, yeah. I, I don't mean thin. I was yeah. pretty soft actually. <laughs> but I was like, I just didn't have it. Sure. But I also was lacking in that sort of zeal that we both have today on a Tuesday afternoon. Right. Um, that I envy. When it goes away, I miss it. I love, I, right now I'm very shark like and hungry. And yeah. I'm like, let's just fucking shoot something and let's write something. And I love that place. Then sometimes, to your point, when you're in it and I'm picking a belt for a scene, you know what I mean? This is why yeah. great CEOs and stuff uh, are good at delegating. Uh, delegating. It goes like, well, when I'm choosing the belts, I didn't really choose the belts, the right. wardrobe department, but I'm just saying a small yeah. detail. Then maybe I would just have not enough of that self-burning confidence and zeal to be like, I'm going to rent an apartment. Like as soon as he said that, I was like, Mike, that sounds like a lot of hours of something that I and and immediately my brain goes to one of them burns it down and <laughs> well, no, and and I think about that because I do like a lot of ghostwriting and like, so I do all these other things. Like that's uh, it's sort of what I remember my dad doing growing up. My dad never just did one thing. And like, 
and I, I have energy, I have creativity, I like the thrill of it, but I do what sometimes keeps me up at night is like, what did I leave on the table? Because mm. I wasn't all in on the one, th- like that, whatever the equivalent of the apartment idea, which I think is yeah. actually a brilliant idea. Yeah. Like, what am I not doing because I'm too tired or because, uh, I don't want to spend the money or, you know, like what, what am I, where have I worn myself down mm-hmm. and then I've prevented or I've, I've spent that energy on other things that were nice, but like sort of short, in the long term, relatively meaningless. Right. You know? Yeah. That I think we're catching me feeling that right now is, is like if I had saved energy in one area, maybe because looking back, all I would have had to do is told that to the PR department. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> I was, yeah. but there right now in a limitless it's sure. almost like depression when i'm overworked it's almost like depression where i'm like mm-hmm. yeah cute idea i didn't even say that i was like yeah that's a great idea and then it's off to shoot a scene or something and you and you move on and it and it, it you don't have that like bubbling effervescent topo chico like self love where you're like let's promote it yes. you're probably going like is our show even good? Like I need, like I need to make it good. Like we might yeah. promote it. I don't, you know. I find like when I'm really like, usually I can be very productive on airplanes. That's like, mm. uh, there's no, there's no phone, there's no internet. I don't watch movies. I'm reading or writing or whatever. Yeah. But like I find if I'm if I've like booked too many gigs back to back, or if I'm like like right now I'm sort of on tour, so I'm like, is like New York and then L.A. and then San Francisco and then all these cities and and like I find on those flights I'm just like all I can do is sit there. Like I can't, I can't read. I can't listen to music. I can't like, I'm and, and so I try to like, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's, it's, but I'm like, what is this costing me in terms of like, good stuff? We're going to do this off mic. Okay. Cause I just got a list of 18 clubs and Val and I were looking at them. This is why we had this like stressed out morning. And I was like, I'm so glad Ryan is coming if you don't mind, as a yeah, friend, yeah. it's going to take a minute. I'm, okay. I'm not really going to hold you to it because I, right. I respect what you do too much. But I would be like, when we look at this, the number of factors, including, I hate planning. Yeah, I hate it so much. I go, well, this weekend's on the, it's the 21st to the 23rd. But that means I'll be flying home on the 24th. And then the next weekend is the 30th. Is that enough downtime or am I going to go crazy? Because part of what I do as a comedian... That's different from, say, I don't know, some of these virtuosos that manufacture perfect jokes. Part of my performance is that I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And if I just stop enjoying it, it's not a good show. And then and then I hear your voice going like, if you're taking it for the money and you don't necessarily like need that money, yeah. this specific money, um, are you fucking, are you making it so when you're on the plane, you're just sitting there brain dead and sad and and yeah. I'm going to use the word impotent, even though I don't mean it physically, although I am impotent. <laughs> I don't know if I can give you good advice, because I left my house on the 30th, and I basically get home on, on like the 5th or something right. like that. But uh, Let me make you feel yeah. more at home. I'm sitting here with Ryan Holiday, the author of Stillness is the Key. Ryan, what is so key about stillness? Oh, my God. Where they go like, so tell me, what's your book about? And you're like, oh, the thing I spent three fucking years writing, yeah. and it's like uh, seventy thousand words. You'd like that in uh, eight seconds? You I know, can't. If I could do that, I probably just wouldn't. Have I would have tweeted this. it. Exactly. It would have been a tweet. Yeah. I 
do regret. I wish I had called my book Comedy and Sex and God. You know how they have those shirts that yeah. say like Maya and Amy and Tina and you know like five things. Oh, like here? Yeah, it's a, yeah. down vertical on a shirt. I wish I had called my book Comedy and Sex and God because the amount every single press oh, they go com- yes. they go so you think you're a comedy sex god and the first five that was actually by design. I liked that the name of the book. Yeah. It's a funny joke. Made you go like, is yeah. he calling himself a comedy sex god? And it gave me a way in. When I was doing like a three-minute interview on the Today Show, that was enough. Yeah. I go, if you read the book, it's very clear that most of the sex is with myself. I had all these yeah. bits. Um, and that was helpful. But then I was like, I don't want an ambiguous title. For so the next for, one. so for, I, I learned that lesson in my first book. So my first book, I wrote it and positioned it. It was called confessions of a media manipulator and it was like how media manipulation works that was the premise of the book and um were they like are you manipulating us right now right <laughs> wait, wait this is worse oh god so so that was the concept of the book the problem was the publisher i sold it to had like 10 years previously published a book called confessions of a media or of a economic hitman which is a great book they're like we can't have two books with confessions in the title it'll yeah. be confusing and it's like i've naively bought this as an explanation um you know the sales staff doesn't like it and it's like show me one book the sales staff has sold uh, for me you know what i mean like like they just get to give opinions they don't have to be held accountable for them but so so anyway so that that happens plus they're not in a mean way so many times people are justifying their jobs yes like we when working in tv and stuff this was not the case with hbo but i've had friends and certain some personal experiences where you're like is this a real note or is this somebody saying, if I don't have a note, it looks like I'm not yeah. doing my job? Yes, totally. <laughs> and so so they were like, you need to come up with a different title. We, we brainstormed all these different ones. They came up with the title, Trust Me, I'm Lying. And I said, you know what? It just it doesn't feel right. I get the joke. I get the liar's paradox. But like confessions of a media manipulator is so much better. And, and, and I said, well, let's test them. Let's like do a poll and see what's better. And we pulled a bunch of people. And what do you know? Trust me, I'm lying. Did overwhelmingly better because it's funny, it's short. So that's what the title of the book is. Except, first off, every interview. How can I trust you? Are you lying right now? You know, which is super annoying. I think I'm sitting with Ryan Hamilton. (laughs) Holiday. Um, I just called you a different. I called you a comedian. (laughs) um, But people were like, like, for many years until I wrote other more popular books, they'd be like. Oh, you're a writer? What's a book you've written? And I'd go, Oh, I wrote a book called Trust Me I'm Lying. And then they go, Well, what's that about? Because the title doesn't fucking say what the book is about. Right. Whereas right. the other thing says exactly what it is. In I a actually, way- when I didn't know you and you had a book called Trust Me I'm Lying, I thought it was like a I hope they serve beer in hell yeah. sort of I worked on that book too. Did you really? Yeah. Well, that's great. Yes. That's a very popular yes. book. Yes. I but I thought your persona was different because I thought it was like, trust me, babe, you want to see my yacht. Like I thought it was like that. Yeah, like a meme, like a Tumblr book or something. Yes, yeah. I thought it was yeah. like. Um, I thought you were like aggro. Yeah, or broy. Right. So so it was just like I. It was one of those things where I was like, you can't. And it's not like anyone's. Cu- First off, sitting in a building in New York, that's a reasonable decision to make they didn't have they don't have to talk about the title at dinner parties for the rest of their life and i am not throwing my editor under the bus i completely agreed with him luke dempsey um but he was like i was like people are gonna think i'm calling myself a comedy sex god and he was like yeah it's funny right like that's the joke right and we'll use different fonts and i was just today i saw a copy of my book sitting and i was like those fonts are not different enough yeah (laughs) it looks and then the joke became 
comedy sex god that sounds like a Russell Brand book like that is not yes. me yes he is the comedy sex god I'm right. soft yeah no so it's it's weird you make these decisions and you don't totally think about them and so that's why in a weird way I think that's the one of the benefits of being prolific and so people who just do one thing like mm. that puts the that really raises the stakes of all the decisions you're making yeah that's right this is the one book I'll do yeah yeah it might, and then it gets easier now you have you have data you know but you also have a style yes ego is the enemy stillness is the key these, sure. these now we go if i wanted to call my book you know the devil's in the deep well, that's stupid but something like that they'd go yeah. well that sounds like a ryan holiday book and i'd be like you're right yeah and that's kind of a great place to be yeah totally in the way you could say this feels like a tarantino thing it'd be like you're kind of like directing in a similar tone yeah which is just a compliment yeah so I mean, the, and the book worked. It was just like I, I just I would have. I wish I'd stuck to my guns on the title. Mm, it's interesting. So what is the when when I was doing press for Comedy Sex God, I did get okay at saying like this is one of my favorite talking points on the book. Do you yeah. have a favorite talking point? Not really. I that's actually one of the things I like least about. I I dislike what feels fake of like going into. Do you know what I mean? Like totally. like that. It's like. Oh, I've practiced this, and I'm I'm using it. I'm not. It feels right. very. Do you know what I mean? Ironically, it feels very non-present because instead of being like, "Let me answer your question," you go, "Let me pull this right and hand it to you." On the chance that you did have an arrow that you yeah. like to shoot, and these things, yeah. we could have done it. For me, I think it was. I was saying that real happiness. Oh, that I don't care what you believe. That like identifying as an, as a spirit or as as consciousness is where peace is. That was my that was like my favorite thing to say. But it, it just it's just interesting when you see people doing like podcasts and shows. Like the best ones are the ones where they ask you questions you haven't asked before. Yeah. And, and but then that's not the place that most people come to it from. Right. They're they're doing like oh here's what Mark Marin does so that's how I'm going to do it or right, like right. here's the that they think that they need to copy it and right. like that's your your point about like we're all just like dreaming or, or like you should do that the you just do the thing that only you can do like right there's no reason not, like that's not only is their life too short to to mimic other people but like it's really a great strategy to do unique weird stuff yeah because then you stand out right that's the I say it all the time, but that's the Bill Hicks thing. He's like, the more you're like your true self, the less you'll be like anybody else, and you'll have supply and demand covered. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, you have a monopoly on instead, that one thing. But I find it very ironic that it's Bill Hicks and so many comedians copied Bill Hicks. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually thinking mostly of like when I would go to an open mic that before Bill Hicks's. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I was like, wow, this guy's doing Bill. Hicks. Yeah, and it's like, do you not see that this is competition? Like, yeah. you want there to be no competition. Yeah, be Kumail. Kumail yeah. wasn't being Bill Hicks, but the yeah. more Kumail Kumail was, yeah. the fewer Kumails there were. Totally. <laughs> no, it's funny now because now other people are writing about stoicism. And it's like, first off, I don't think you realize there was not that much interest in this just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But like, like I already got most of those people. So you're going to have to go. You're going to steal fans. Steal them from me. Yeah. And I, it's not that I'm possessive of it. It's just like, that's harder to do yeah. than to go get your own people over here about that's whatever you want. That's completely true. People have loyalties and stuff too. Yeah. If somebody was like, put like I love Eckhart Tolle, if somebody put out a book that was like, the significance of the power of now, I'd be like, get out of here. Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did wonder when I was reading your book and whenever I read books about mindfulness, there's always a voice in the back of my head that says, couldn't we just be mindful right now? Did you ever have that when you were writing it? 
Because um, when I was writing about spirit, yeah. I was like, it's funny, I'm using my brain to explain techniques to get you into spirit, which is robbing me of my ability to be in my own spirit right now. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to talk about, one of the things I was really conscious of is like I wanted to talk about stillness from a less Eastern perspective. Because we, we seem to have like sort of totally ceded the idea to the East when it's like very prevalent in Western philosophy. I mean, Marcus Aurelius' only book is titled Meditations. Yeah. You know, like, uh, and he talk, and it's funny because I'd read him dozens and dozens of times and I just had totally missed the, the stillness stuff. That's like, interesting. And it wasn't until I was like really looking for it that I found it. Right. And so... But you go to like JFK. I lo- the JFK yeah. chapter is incredible and that's a very... Well, that's just, that's just me coming up with stories that illustrate the ideas. But I just mean like we think about stillness and like, like I I was like I'm going to write about stillness. And I'm never going to talk about meditation. Mm. Like I want to like what are the other ways to do it? And so I think there there is a, there are these sort of interesting sort of Zen paradoxes and questions. And and I was like let's just I think this is all great and I love nerding out about that. But like what if I'm just like sort of really practical and really down the middle and like uh, I'll just give people a way they can sort of use this in their life and maybe it can be that can be sort of a gateway to these other things rather than like all of it like everybody i was you know interested in meditation then but when um what is the app called headspace and headspace when headspace came out suddenly everybody it's sort of like if i'm hearing you correctly this was like can i find a way to get people that might do headspace but not go to a temple yeah, or people who are like, I tried meditating, it didn't work. Yeah. And then so like, obviously that's not for me. You know, like, right. well, what if you just took a walk? Or, you know, what if right. you like went to therapy? Or, you know, like there's all these things that you can work. What if you just thought about it this way? Like, let's not think, I think the, the other part is like, the truth is we live in the West. So a lot of these Eastern ideas translate, but only so far. Right. You know? Because our um, lifestyles yeah. accommodate that. Yeah, exactly. And right. so... I mean, like Marcus Aurelius had a job. Like, like what I so think about it this way. Like, so Marcus Aurelius is a philosopher who becomes emperor. Did he have to write that on his forms? Marcus Aurelius occupation, emperor. <laughs> <laughs> no, like my think, crest is on this form. <laughs> well, you would you would use your signet rings. You'd go like this into the uh, legs. That's how you would do it. Yes, I've um, seen Gladiator. <laughs> um, but uh, but he is a philosopher who becomes emperor. Buddha is. A prince, so in line to be king, and he has to leave it to become a philosopher. So it's like, yeah, opposite paths, the same place. And one of them is distinctly more Western. Like we, yes. we, we love. One of the reasons Ramdas appeals to me. Take a shot, people playing the drinking game. Is that he, that's pretty late? I mean, I, I yeah, it's to, very late. Yeah. We we've stopped recording. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I really enjoyed that he had the mental acuity of a Harvard professor. Yeah, like I enjoy that. Sure. helped crack the shell of Western resistance when someone was funny and intelligent. And I'm embarrassed to admit, you're like, this guy's a Harvard professor. Right. He went to India and he came back and he's going to explain it to me. <laughs> yeah, or just like you read some of these and it's like, are you really giving a complicated argument about how there is no self? It's like, we've all agreed there's a self. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. like I'm not going to... I And I, it is an interesting argument, but the point is like, 99% of the population of America believes there's a self. Right. So I'm not going to start there. Right. I'm going to talk about inner child, or I'm going to talk about routine, or I'm going to talk about journaling or being present. Yep. Like I'm not going to start with the literally the most 
esoteric strange thing yeah or that like i'm literally gonna threaten your actual identity as a human being yeah. and tell you that well that's what richard Roy says he's like i don't know how my books sell because all i'm doing is selling death <laughs> he's like all i do and yeah. which is why my favorite death metal band is richard Rohr and the Rory acts <laughs> i'm just kidding but he, he says it all the time he's like i don't know why you guys come listen to me yeah all i'm saying is you're not shit which was one of my titles, which I don't think I'm going to do, so I'll say on the podcast, was Your Beliefs Ain't Shit, okay. which I think is interesting. Yeah. Because I think what you believe is so overrated. It is. the pro- I mean, this is more of a general rule, but I do find you... So what's the payoff of that book, right? What's the... What's the if we're just kicking around titles, so what, yeah. what do you... What's the, what's the positive thing you're... Like, like so original title, one of the titles I was thinking about... Um, for trust me, I'm lying. Was like you are being manipulated, but like, yeah. do people want people yeah, don't want right. to Somebody know that? Doesn't want to be. That's what makes the subtle art of not giving a fuck great because everyone wants to not give a fuck. Yes, it's cool, and yes. even subtle makes it sound like it's going to be effortless or kind of like natural or small. Yeah, which is cool. Small is cool. Quiet is cool. Yeah, and so like for ego is the enemy. That was originally going to be a book about humility. And then I realized that very few people are aspiring to be humble by nature of That's what right. it is. That's why I had titles that were like, you aren't real. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. But we're exactly... Yeah. I had the same flags. I was like, yeah. nobody wants to read a book. Right. They don't know that they do. I think you yes. kind of do. Yes. Because there's and peace the- at the other side of going like, wait, Ryan is just sort of an idea. He's a story. There's freedom in that if you want it, but most people would rather... A lot of the great teachers I know acknowledge the existence of self in the way that they acknowledge the illusion of free will. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're like, let's not get lost in me saying you don't have free will. Let's say it appears as though you have free will. It appears as though you have a self. Let's play Let's play chess. Yeah. Instead of saying these pieces are insignificant. A, f- a friend of mine wrote a, a, a good book called uh, "The Passion Paradox," and it's a, it, the premise is uh, like sort of obviously true in my experience, which is that people are deeply passionate about what they do. This passion is both a sort of strength and a weakness for them, mm. right? Like Lance Armstrong, deeply passionate, it's great, but it's also what drives him to sort of bend the rules and you know do whatever he wants to do to win, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea of the passion paradox is totally true. The problem is what that title signals, the book is great, but what the title signals is like, I haven't figured it out. Right. Right? Like the title is like, it's like no one wants to read a book that goes, this is really complicated and nuanced. Right. Right? Because you're like, well, okay, come back to me when you've cracked it. Right. So you you have to come up with a way that's intellectually honest and true to who you are, but still sends a strong signal to the market that this is worth consuming. Right. Here's something that you'll want to spend six hours. Yeah, and $20. And, you know, like... Yeah, that's interesting. Now I want to read you other titles. Okay. Do you want to? Yeah, let's do it. Is this fun for you? Oh, Rob called me. It's a a Rob heavy week. Let's see. And then we can wrap up. All right. You're, You're on this long... You're on your long. No, thing. this is this is fun. This is better than. Uh, well, the first title is "Everything Enlightens." That's the working title. Everything enlightens. Okay. The reason it's called "Everything Enlightens" is because the premise of the book is that everything, every movie you watch, every conversation you have, every discomfort you have, every relationship that you have, every video game you play, 
right under the surface is a clue to very deep sure. esoteric truths. For example, I'll give you yeah. an example. In Red Dead Redemption, uh, Dutch, the gang leader... This is, is a video game? Yep. Okay. You don't need to know. It's, okay. It could just be a movie. Because it's a trope. Yeah. Is always talking about one more job and then we're all going yeah. to Tahiti. Yeah. Right. And I was like, that goes yeah. to the point we were already making, which is the ego will always choose a journey over the destination, which is Christ and Buddha. And everybody's always saying you're already here. Yeah. That's what they're always saying. You're yeah. already here. And bliss and peace and contentment is realizing that it's not one more job. And then Tahiti, you need to always be in Tahiti. Yeah. Psychologically. I like the title. The only thing that it, I think it does, uh, I'm, I'm not always good with the grammatical term, so I won't embarrass myself, but it's more like everything enlightens doesn't quite, it's, it needs more words. I agree. You know what I mean? It's, it's just the working title. Yeah. But I, the the general also, premise is great. Do people... Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. I don't think most people know enlightened as a verb. Yes. That's, like, that's, that's very enlightening. Yes. Maybe. But like when I'm saying even video games, it needs a subtitle, which is the the hidden secret truths in every video game and movie and blah, blah, blah. Robert Greene gave me really good advice. He was like, and he told me this when I was looking at Trust Me, I'm Lying, because the title of Trust Me, I'm Lying is Trust Me, I'm Lying, Confessions of a Media Manipulator. Mm -hmm. He wrote 48 Laws of Power, Art of Seduction, mm -hmm. 33 Shadows of War, Master. He was like, the best books don't have subtitles. Whoa. Because the, the like, what's the subtitle of, uh, of The Power of Now? Yeah. Or Love Wins? Yeah. Or any of these books? Love Wins is the fate of every person that's ever lived or something but yeah. you're right my, I, I do not know the subtitle to most of my favorite books that's a good point that's a fucking good point yeah ryan and then i, pro <laughs> I proceeded to put the actual title as the subtitle of the book so i didn't listen but now i listen yeah like uh obstacles away didn't have enough leverage with the publisher to insist on no subtitle mm. uh but ego and still no subtitles beautiful i didn't know uh I didn't know you had subtitles on the other ones. Yeah. The the current favorite is Happy to Be Here. But it yeah. the problem with Happy to Be Here, I like that it, yeah. it's saying, I'm happy to be yeah. here. And it's sort of cute that yeah. people say, I'm happy to be here. The only problem with it is it doesn't tease the premise. Like, the perfect title would say, it would, it would be like Hidden in Plain Sight or something, which is stupid, yeah. or like... Christ hidden in plain sight yeah. or truth hidden in plain sight. Like the perfect title will tease the idea that I'm going to tell you that one of the chapters is literally about how pizza, eating pizza has a profound truth in it because sure. when you're done eating the cheesy part, you eat the bready part, which makes you want more cheese, which is why we eat so yeah. much pizza. Yeah. And that is about the hedonic treadmill. That yep. is about the nature of desire. That is about the nature of... Uh, so is, is this... Uh is you're looking at the cover of this book, which is another thing. So people who love books, they think about the cover of their book. They think about the book in bookstores, blah, blah, blah. Sure. But it's like 92% of the people are going to see your book as a thumbnail on Amazon. Right. Right. They'll never see it in a bookstore. So is this a book with a cover with you on the cover? Or is this like a book, like one of the ones that you love that just happens to be written by I think Pete it's Holmes? the second one. Okay. This time it's the second one. Yeah. So the it probably one. needs to be less cute and more sort of serious. Yeah, you this know is, this is very valuable. I feel like you can build me. This is what this. I do, <laughs> and I, I hope this is yeah, interesting yeah. to people because most people have an idea for a book. Um, this is too cute. When in doubt, zoom out. That's that's, no, that's not cute. bad. You really? No, I like it. It depends. It would depend on the book, but uh, it doesn't tease the title. It's good yeah. advice. I say it a lot, right? But if we're saying 
eternal mystery is hidden in brush. I don't know if I if that I read that go I go I gotta pick up the book. Yeah, when in doubt, zoom out. I'm yeah. going like shut the fuck up. But that's how I feel about a lot of things. Wisdom for idiots, enlightenment for idiots. I don't like those. Um, mysticism, but funny. <laughs> pretty good (laughs) good. is it bad yeah Ah! how about god but funnier (laughs) these are books with you on the cover these are titles that work only with you on the cover you're right and i'm not saying you can't be on the cover but the question is like is that primarily what you're relying on or is it not yep this was a this was a front runner was always home it's the it's it's I was on a delayed flight. It was yeah. like a eight hour delay, and I ended up giving a little. It wasn't a talk, but I was talking to a bunch of people, and it ended up being a, a good tear about like just be home now, just be home, yeah. like just feel home. I don't know. I would if call it, it be home. home now. Be home now. Yeah, like to be cute. Yeah, be home now. Yeah, that makes me think it's like tips to like get home. <laughs> <laughs> no, now, it's just a playoff. One of the greatest self help titles of all time. Yeah, I know. I was considering Pete here now. But, I mean... That's pretty funny, too. Do you like Pete here now? Yeah. I'll at least... I'll write Pete Pete here now down. Come here often. Don't like it. Happy so to be So, I really here. like self-contained titles, too. Um, like, God, titles oh. that make an argument in and of themselves. I think you're going to like yeah. this one. God for Atheists. <laughs> But that sounds combative. Like it sounds I'm gonna combative, and it also it, it also says like unless you have strong opinions about either of these things, like this, yeah, like this book is not for you. Yeah, you're cooking. What were you gonna say about you? I, I interrupt. Oh, I like books that like I think obstacles the way he goes in. I mean, they, they've wor- part of the reason the titles work. And again, this, you're just making up stories afterwards. But like people have an opinion on the 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 title is the argument of the book. It's the shortest, most distinct argument of right. the book. It's not like, um, uh, the, it's not the ego paradox or it's not the downsides of ego or right. it's not like, you're uh, saying it's like the elevator doors are closing and you go, ego's the enemy guys. Yeah. yeah you got So my, my publisher, uh, wanted, they suggested that we change the, the title of ego or the obstacles, the way when I was writing it to just the way, so that's that, but that doesn't make the argument. Like the whole argument of the book is the obstacle is the way. Not I'm. Hey, this book contains the way. Read the book to find out what it is. Right. You're saying. Let me tell you what it is, and I think what I'm telling you is going to be so intriguing. You're going to want to read a book about it. Mm. Very interesting. Here we are on you don't exist. This one is too cute. God is nowhere, but if you look at nowhere, it also spells out now here. Uh, yeah, you don't want that because a lot of people are like, what if I'm just saying, writing the title on Twitter? Yeah, that's terrible. Like, you don't want a thing where the font, like, it only works We're if back you have to access to fonts. Comedy Sex God. Yeah. Uh, you're it. Ugh, some of these are so bad. In Yes with the World. Get that out of here. <laughs> I only shared that so people know. You're not alone if you're having some bad ideas. I think something around Yes, Thank You would be really good. Really? Yeah. I think that's one of the most powerful ideas I've heard from you that I think is also unique and new. And so cool. you just call the book Yes, Thank You? You could. It doesn't necessarily function as a super great title because it could also be like, Yes, Thank You, the memoir of Pete Holmes. But right. um, it it is an interesting argument. And so right. it needs a subtitle. Yeah. It's like Amy Poehler had that book called Yes, Please. And yes. I'm like, that could have been a book about 
spirituality because yeah. it's just like saying yeah, yeah. yes please to everything that's what i'm yeah that's exactly what i was thinking of yeah yeah precisely but the premise is really good and so it can compensate for the title a little bit i appreciate that but i think you agree with me when you say if i say i have a book that uh, uh what's the word i guess eternal deep truth is hidden in ordinary things there's a perfect title for that yeah probably <laughs> i feel yeah. like there is there's yeah. a title where i go yeah. there it is and the, you go the, oh the, shit the thing the thing about it is you got to go like there is the perfect title but you might not find that title for 30 years so are you willing to do that <laughs> on my deathbed i go the spirituality of ordinary things <laughs> and then i die but even that, or, or you, hit, or it hits you on your fortieth podcast interview for the book that just came out that right. you titled something different. You know what I mean? Like, right? So there is, no, I mean, this kind of goes to your premise of your idea, which is there's, there's the idea that there's the perfect thing out there is often the enemy of just ordinary great things, right? Just a good title, yeah, that does the job, man. <laughs> so how many? Tens of thousands of dollars do I owe you for listening to that? I feel like you were into it. I was. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Um, well, that's it. All right. Do you want to say anything else about the book? Is it, I, I've only read a third of it. It's wonderful. Thank you. I think you're a wonderful writer. Appreciate it's it. called Stillness is the Key. Yeah. It's available now. Yeah, check it out. Get or check out any of the books or don't. Get a Ryan Holiday book. Yeah. Have yourself a Ryan Holiday. And then let me look at the notes real quick. I wrote down pile of money just because you said that thing about like, we're just going to throw the money on the pile and it doesn't change yeah. your life. I forget what the number is. It's like $30,000 after that. People are just like, Oh, it's like, yeah, people making more than $70,000 a year does not seem to affect your happiness beyond that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, paradox, sleep, stillness, inner score. We're really going out with a bang here. Yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> limping to a close. That's so funny. Let me review How my notes. How was the podcast? I sometimes do that. He, uh, meaning I've done this terrible thing before. <laughs> <laughs> Pete just workshopped his title and then was like, okay, I guess we're done. <laughs> um, what is the, this is the usual, okay. well, you probably answered yeah. it last time, but maybe you have another one or different one comes to you. Can you think of a time in your life where you laughed really, really hard? I, I know I thought about this. I was talking about it with my wife and then I forgot. And now she's going to be so mad. Oh, you mean you talk, you like thought of one. She was like, what if he asked you that again? And I thought, Oh, I'll say this. And then I for totally forgot what it was, but it was with your wife. Yeah. You know, was, was she involved? Uh, so I had, we did have this one. Uh, I mean, this is not it, but like I was just showing some of the video. My, my son was, uh, was running around and he goes like what the fuck you know he just like screamed what the fuck he's like where the fuck is it and he's like and and so like you know you're trying not to laugh you know and then he looked at us and he goes i said what the fuck like it wasn't just that he did it and he didn't know what he was doing it's that he knew what he was doing and he needed us to know that he was doing it i said <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> if when Leela says something like that, you can't. And the problem, you I'm can't gonna... laugh because like it encourages it. But, right. Uh, oh man, it was the best. I'm gonna have a hard time not laughing. I'll, I'll show you the video. Little, do you have it? Yeah. You want to play the audio of it? Oh, yeah. Let me see. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> 
Oh my god. You neglected to mention he's fully nude. He is fully nude, yeah. He's fully nude. Oh my... What the fuck? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's life, man. Get used to it. Get ready. It's the end of the Joker. <laughs> oh man, that movie. You know what it... What, there was this Family Guy joke about The Godfather where he goes, it insists upon itself, Lois. It insists upon itself. That's his criticism of The Godfather. <laughs> I left the Joker and I was like, it insists upon itself. I don't even know. Ex- you Right? Katie saw it. You haven't seen it? No. It's not even worth yeah. talking. I really mean it. I don't want to waste too much time talking about it. But I was like, it insists upon itself. Like I know exactly what that expression means. I do too. Even though I know, yeah. have no idea what it means, I know exactly what it means. I read a New York Times review which said it, which it was like, you know, brooding cello music and like dramatic shots are only part of the equation. And yeah. I was like, I, I didn't, I didn't get what I was hoping for. Um, and then I saw Good Boys, and I was like, "This is what I'm after." Have you seen Good Boys? No, really fucking good. All right, thank you so much for taking Thanks. the time. I think we talked for two and a half hours. Jesus. <laughs> And I appreciate that in the middle of a tour. And I'm so happy yeah. to see you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Would you say keep it crispy? Keep it crispy. Would you do it again? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know why. It just felt like it's so weird to tell someone to do something. So Thanks, buddy. I'm so crispy. I'm so crispy. My ice can make you want to get